We talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. So like and subscribe and check us out. Are you an athletic director or coach looking to make your locker room pop, looking to refresh your look, looking to redo your brand? Well, check out SI Design and Printing. They're going to transform your sports organization athletic facilities into what you're looking for by enhancing the student-athlete experience, boasting the brand, and honoring your past. They do that with banners, backlit signage, locker graphics, window graphics, fence mesh graphic designs, and so much more. If you need a refresh, SI Design is going to help you do that. Check them out online, sidesign.net. And hey, if you're a parent or a grandparent, they've got something for you as well, as SI Design is the leading provider of custom sports prints. They offer a variety of products, including posters, banners, canvases, and more. All you have to do is upload your high-quality studio or action shot, and SI Design will create the memory for you. For more information, all you have to do is go to their website, sidesign.net forward slash sports prints, and you'll get all the information that you need. You can also find them on Facebook. Just type in SI Design and Printing. Give them a call, 254-405-9492, or you can email them, info at sidesign.net, and tell Kyle that Sideline to Sideline sent you. It's week five, and it's Sideline to Sideline. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett here on Sideline to Sideline, brought to you by SI Design and Printing, right here on L4 Media. And we have ourselves, as it says in the uh, description, a very special Sideline to Sideline. In case you didn't listen last week, shame on you, uh, but Grant Goodwin got married over the weekend, and he's gone. We'll never see him again. Now, he wasn't able to go to any games and, and do a lot of research or anything this weekend. And we had originally, uh, we were just going to take the week week off. Uh, last year, I got sick at about this time. I think it was the first week of October. I got really sick, if y'all remember, and missed a whole week of all the shows. And, and we kind of talked about it afterwards. Like, man, that was, a, I mean, not for me because I was sick, but Grant was telling me, man, you know, that was actually kind of a nice break to have. Uh, you know, every team gets a bye week. So that was going to be, you know, we might start doing that this year. Uh, and this seemed like the perfect time, except for, I don't know. I just felt like doing a show. Originally, I had a, another idea in mind for this episode. Uh, that's kind of gotten bigger than planned. And, and so that's going to be punted down the field for a later date, not too far down the field. And it's going to be really awesome. Uh, I think it's going to be something that you're going to get to see uh, another side of L4 media and sideline to sideline. You know, we have a lot of fun talking football and all that, but uh, it, well, I'll just let you know when that time's come. So what I then decided to do, was, hey, let's talk to Matt Diggs. Matt Diggs has always wanted to come on the show. This was a perfect chance. Uh, he, of course, helps me uh, do the North Texas Region Show and the District 7 a Division One show. And, and so the idea was, is, hey, why don't you just do those shows inside sideline to sideline, a little cross-promotion. You know, we'll, we'll post them up as those separate shows, but also have it here for the sideline to sideline folks. So maybe that starting next week, you all would like to tune into those shows as well. Well, I kept thinking about it and said, you know what? That's not a bad idea, but let's do something else. Let's add some more people. And so that's what I did. And so I'm actually recording this on Thursday. Uh, all the interviews I did were last night. And I got to tell you what, it has been just one of those days. Internet's been going out. I've had to restart this segment three or four times. 
and so hopefully we'll be able to get it down. So what we're going to do, though, on this show is we're going to be joined by three great guests. We're going to go all across the state of Texas. We're going to start out in the panhandle and ask Chris Welch of Bushland FM. They do the Bushland Falcons broadcast. He'll be joining me to talk Bushland, to talk Region 3, Division 1, Region 1, how crazy that region is. Then we'll swing all the way over to East Texas and Brett Swinney of NETSN Live, our East Texas folks. They also host our Beach from the East, East Texas show. Good show. You should check that out. Um, we'll be talking Chapel Hill, Chapel Hills District, which, of course, is Kilgore, Lindell, Henderson, Athens, that group. We'll kind of move over to talk Gilmer, Pleasant Grove. We'll talk Carthage, of course. We'll even talk a little 3A East Texas. And then we'll end the show with Matt Diggs. And we're going to talk 7-4A Division One, and just kind of North Texas uh, 4A-3A blow, really more kind of focusing again on 4-3A Division One. He does a 4-3A Division One report. It's a crazy district this year. Uh, so we'll talk that. We'll just have a lot of fun talking all those things. But first, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it is Chris Welch of Bushland to talk Region 1-3A Division 1. I'll spit, all, spit that all out here in a little bit. Right here on Sideline to Sideline, brought to you by SI Design and Printing. All right. On this special Sideline to Sideline, brought to you by SI Design and Printing, we are now joined by one of the guys that does the BushlandFM.com broadcast. We're going to talk a little Bushland. We're going to talk a little bit about their district. Chris Welch, how are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Been a pleasure. We've been chatting back and forth for the last year or so, but good to finally get face-to-face. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I was going to say this after you left the part, but you and I have this weird thing that we've been kind of messaging for a year or so, like you said, and I won. I still remember it. Last year on one of the playoff games, I think it was, we were driving, and I'm just looking at your Facebook, and I'm like, oh, wait, hey, you know a lot of people that I know. And then I message you and like, wait a minute, you're from Marshall? And you're like, well, yeah. And, and you said, yeah, my brother's Jack Welch. And I'm like, Jack Welch that ran baseball because that him and my dad and I've known Jack Welch for you know all my life and it that's the greatness of Texas high school football. You came from East Texas, you're now out in Bushland and somehow we connect and talk for a good season without even realizing we both were from the same hometown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jack also did a broadcast over there yes. on KMHT. He did the radio uh, broadcast, Color Guy. So. I'm doing play by play, so I guess I follow a little bit in his footsteps as well. So, well, and, and don't tell him or David Simpson this, but they're part of the reason why I got into broadcasting. Just you know, listening to them and and legitimately, all jokes aside, in a in a world of small town high school football, you can get some very interesting broadcasts. David and Jack were actually way ahead of their time with just how they called the games and their professionalism. Yeah, absolutely. What's the famous tagline? How sweet it is, right? How sweet it is. And then Jack in the dreaded fade. Alfred there you Jack. go. All right, so let's talk a little Bushland football. You know, last year, uh, y'all had a, a marvelous season, and it came down uh, to that Brock game. You're up big at halftime. Brock makes the comeback. I've never really got a chance to talk to you about that, so I'm going to use this to do that now. Uh, what was that feeling just seeing, you know, you, you think there for, you know, a good 30 minutes, hey, we're about to, to slay Brock and move on, and then to see Brock make that comeback. What was it like from y'all's side? You know, at, at halftime, we're talking uh, with my partner, Stephen Lyles, and we're sitting there discussing the game. And the, the, we're obviously over oh, on the home side with Brock doing the broadcast. And 
And I tell you, it's quiet in the stands uh, on the Brock side. And we're kind of sitting in a little bit disbelief that it's, it, we're at this point where we're up this big. But, you know, we both talk off off uh, radio, at least off mic, to say, yeah, I'm not really comfortable with this yet because Brock's good, right? And they're big. Uh, and that was one of the things that Lutheran's always running up against with Brock is there's a size difference there, and they can definitely wear you down. Uh, so we were cautiously optimistic at that point, to say the least. And then, you know, as that third quarter begins, you start to feel that shift. You know that feeling when you're yep. watching the game and you're starting to feel this is a big momentum shift. And uh, our confidence, we're, you can tell we're starting to pull back a little bit. We're starting to get a little nervous about this. And, boy, the, the wheels just come off at that point. And, and Brock just did what, what Brock always does. They just use a lot of that physicality. Uh, on the field and just started really pushing us down the field and uh, we you, you could kind of feel it was coming on you're hoping we're hanging on but there were a lot of mistakes made uh, Brock capitalized on those when you get up to that level those good teams you can't make mistakes and you know we made some key mistakes uh, I don't think we, we stayed aggressive enough in that ball game probably uh, but yeah Brock went on and good news is they went on to, to go to play that state championship game against Franklin. What a game that was as well. But uh, happy for them that, that they got that far. You know, it's always, if you're going to get beat in the playoffs, you want them to go on yep. to the uh, state title as well. Well, and you know, I think a lot of people forget what was it? 2019 was a three point game. I think it was what 17, 14, 2017, something like that. Uh, and, and so, you know, and, and when you're Brock, you're going to have a lot of those rival, many rivalries inside your region. And it, you know, this year, we could very well see it again. Uh, let's talk about Bushland 2023. Four and one on the year, but your one loss was the Canadian. Uh, we were at that game. Th that's a team in Canadian that I feel that them and Gunner are probably, you know, heads and shoulders above everybody in 3A Division Two, and legitimately might be above everybody in 3A in general. Uh, but I want to focus first on that Canyon West Plains game because now West Plains has turned out to be really, really good this year. But I will admit I was a little surprised by that score with Bushland winning, but only winning by six and it being a 47-41 game. You know, they're going to uh, th – that, that was a great ball game. You know, last year we go in there, even the local newspapers last year predicted we wouldn't win, but I think we went 52-6 to six that game. But come back this year, we knew it was going to be tough. I mean, they, they've got a great running back over there at West Plains and uh, uh, Jordy Hernandez, I think is his name, and, and he's he's a great back. They're a lot bigger than we are. If you look at their numbers, they're probably going to – good chance they go 5A Division yeah. two next year. A uh, lot bigger school, really that up-and-coming school here in the area. Uh, so we knew it would be a dogfight. We knew going in that was not going to be the same game as last year. They've had a year to mature. You know, they make it into the playoffs last year even as a first-year uh, school being in existence. So we knew that was coming into play. Uh, I thought, you know, we came out pretty hard, but they stayed in the fight and, and, and drew that game pretty close. But uh, wasn't surprised we got the win. To your point, surprised it was a little bit that close, but not really because we really expected West Plains to be much improved over last year, and, and they are. They're doing a great job this year. Well, and that's one of the things that Bushland y'all y'all do, and especially this year and last year in this realignment cycle, is y'all's non-district schedule, man. Y'all are not playing pansies. Y'all beat West Plains. You lose the Canadian. Uh, you beat a Childress team that that is a little down, but I, I still like where they're at, and I still think they can make a mini run. And then Borger and Dumas last week, twenty-eight to seventeen. Uh, so far into this season, what you know, and of course, I know it's going to be real easy to talk about the quarterback, but overall, what are the strong points for Bushland so far? You know, I think I think we've got a, a couple. Uh, you know, obviously, Dawson Jaco is our quarterback. Uh, you know, if you look across the region, 
You know, you got him, you got Cameron Cavalier, two top quarterbacks sitting right there in 3A. Yep. Uh, you know, but if you talk about some of those other big players, you know, Kate Gavinia at wide receiver has just really come out this year. He's had a strong game. Uh, we could make him player of the game almost every week with him or, or, or Dawson Jaco. I think Ty Purcell really played an amazing game last week at free safety. Uh, he got moved into that position. That's new for him. He's never played it before. Uh, but he really came out and played a great ball game, kept us in that game because they made a little bit of a comeback last week in the second half. Uh, obviously, Charlie Pitt. So Charlie Pitt plays that defensive line. Charlie's a big boy. He This is his fourth year. So he is a four-year starter. He came up as a freshman partway through the year. Actually, with my twins, they were seniors. Uh, they kept telling Coach, you've got to bring Charlie up. And they're like, he's just a freshman. And they kept saying, yeah, but we play with him every week. He needs to play varsity. So Charlie's on his fourth year doing an outstanding job. They're moving him around a lot this year. Uh, normally, he'd play that inside down lineman on the defense. They've got him moved out to the edge sometime, using a little bit of that height and size to come off the edge. Uh, so that's different. And then Easton Puentes as well. He plays running back as well as defensive line. Uh, move him around a little bit too. So those are a few of those kids that have really come out and playing great ball. Easton, I think, is a three-year starter. Uh, so he he's really come into play on that defensive line as well. All right. So what do y'all need to work on as we get into district? And we're about to talk about district here in a second. And then also in this region, which th this is a region that I, I think with how Brock has played and with Jim Ned having some injury issues once again, uh, I mean, this, this, this region feels very open. So what do y'all need to do to, to finally get through and break through that region uh, championship? You know, I talked a little bit about the defense. You know, we've got a new defensive coordinator this year. Kip Holt came over from Brock. First year, we haven't had Coach Mayfield as a defensive coordinator since Bushland's had football. Wow. Uh, so so big loss last year. Uh, he got ill part of the year. First time he hadn't been on the sidelines since they started playing football in Bushland. Uh, so that was kind of a big loss uh, for us this year. So they're still adjusting to to Coach Holt, right, how he plays. It's different, right? He, uh, sort of, he sometimes still plays at, that 10-1 that Salina and a lot of the good teams play. But he runs, goes into that 3-3 stack quite a bit. And so the kids are adjusting a little bit. He's moving players around, putting people where they need to go. Uh, and I think the team's still adjusting. So for me, we got to settle down on defense. Everybody needs to settle into their positions and get used to them pretty quick. Uh, you know, the other thing I'd have to say is we need to get our running game moving pretty consistently. You know, Bushman loves to throw to open up the run. Uh, that's typically how we run it with that spread. Uh, I think a little bit of that reverse would be good where we can use that run a little bit to open up. We're, you know, we love to throw deep down the sidelines. If you watch Canadian, they do a lot of the same things. We look very similar. Those, those two teams are very similar in the style that they run that fast tempo. Uh, but uh, those are kind of some key things I think we need to get, probably get a few more receivers in the mix. Uh, we've had a few that were injured that they're starting to make their way back. So you're going to see them on the field a little bit more. So, uh, getting them into the mix will be kind of key. And then well, we've, we, we've had the jumpies on the defensive line. Uh, we, uh, we've been jumping quite a bit on with those being offside. So I yeah. think getting that under control is, is kind of a key for Bushland. All right. So let's look at 2-3-A. You know, you're, you're one week away uh, from starting district. Uh, Y'all have El Paso Riverside, which is going to be an interesting game in and of itself this year, even though the Rangers have lost a lot. I, I still think they're going to be pretty competitive. But looking at 2-3-A Division One in and of itself, you know, y'all at four and one, Dalhart's at four and one, Mule Shoes at, at five and zero, oh, and I think the surprise is Shallow Water at two and three. But again, who they've lost to, 
I, I think speaks volumes. Losing the Monahans, who's actually turned out really good. And Hereford, of all people, we had a show last year. We had a Hereford show when they go, what, 0 and 10. Uh, we don't, we're not doing the show this year because the, our sponsor moved over to Canyon uh, and we're doing a Canyon ISD show. And lo and behold, Hereford's now unbeaten. So I, I know Shallow Water's two and three, but I still think the Mustangs are going to be there when it's all said and done. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, I'll touch on Muleshoe. You know, Coach Richards, Jason Richards, doing a great job down there in Muleshoe. He's, you know, he, he'll build a program uh, just based on his reputation, who he is, and I think that's what he's doing. You know, they're they're rushing quite a bit. I think 276 yards per game is kind of what they're doing. 215 yards passing, fairly balanced, uh, but they'll definitely run on you. Uh, but I think they're doing great things down there. Muleshoe could be that surprise team. Uh, you know, Dalhart, I'd say if you look at their schedule, it's been a little bit easier yep. schedule. So so we'll see kind of what they do. Great quarterback last year. Didn't have a lot of receiving to back, to back him up. Uh, we'll see if that's changed this year. Um, I'll say shallow water. I agree. You know, Monahan, Seminole, Hereford, that's a rough schedule. Great teams there. Uh, I suspect, you know, my prediction, I think Bushland hangs on to get the district. But, you know, shallow water played us rough last year. They took district and ended up taking that one spot. We got two. I think Bushland flips that around this year. I think it, the second place is going to come down to Muleshoe and Shallow Water, uh, and then Dalhart and River Road. Uh, River Road being there at the end. Uh, you know, I will say Dalhart and River Road have a uh, pretty good reputation of upsetting somebody along the way. Muleshoe's done that a couple of times over the years, but uh, uh, definitely River Road can kind of flip on somebody and uh, kind of upset that district as well. But I do think it's Bushland, and then we'll see Muleshoe and Shallow Water. Uh, who battles that out? But Muleshoe uh, and Bushland will be a tough game. Uh, I, I still think we'll take it, but I think those are your one, two, and threes right now in the district. I'm glad you you, you mentioned Coach Richards. I mean, you know, Muleshoe was a program that had really fallen down at 0-10 a couple of years ago, 1-9. Last year they were 8-4, and, and you talk about if they like to grind the team down. And, and Grant and I were just talking about that when we, you know, we love – seeing the matchups when you've got the two styles going against each other where you got a team like Bush that might throw it 40 times and a team like Muleshoe that they're going to definitely want to play keep away. And that goes back to what you're talking about settling down on that defensive side and, and being able to get those key stops when needed. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's going to be the key for us. Uh, if you watch us, when we play those bigger teams, I have that bigger front. Uh, Shallow Water did it last year. Brock did it to us last year as well. Well, they, they'll run right through the middle of us at times. Uh, and so that bigger line tends to wear it down. Our kids aren't tend, tend to be quite as big as a lot of the other ones. Uh, we're really more of that speed team, right? So that's why we like to run that 10-1. We like to come yeah. off the edges and get to the quarterback and we'll take our chances you know, down the field or, or that our linebacker play is, is exceptional. You know, big loss at linebacker for Bushman last year. So uh, Jackson Fett's coming in to play that, I believe, um, and, and a few others playing that middle linebacker spot for us this year. But, you know, that's where Bushman is probably more susceptible is right up the middle. All right, so let's go ahead and look at the region to close out. You know, I, I think everybody felt it was Brock and, and then, you know, Yar right there, Shallow Water right there. Uh, and Grant and I kept saying folks needed to watch out for Jim Ned as long as they stay healthy. And they started the year out like that. And then, boom, they lose their starting quarterback a couple of weeks, go to a, a torn uh, ACL from reports that we've gotten. Now, they won the next game, but then last week they got tripped up by Eastland. And this isn't the Eastland that we're all used to. The Eastland's really struggling. So I, I do think we're seeing Jim Ned now possibly going to take another step back. So looking at this region, I, I kind of still feel like it, it might end up being Brock and Bushland again. 
Yeah, you know, that's uh, if you look at it, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we finally overcame beaten wall. Right? Yep. So that was one of the things that Bushland needed to kind of jump that hurdle. Uh, and we did that in that overtime win uh, there in the playoffs. So now our, our next hurdle, you know, for, for Bushland to take that next step, we got to get over Brock. Uh, and, and so I definitely see it coming down to them. You know, Jim Ned, though, is interesting. You know, I was looking at some of their game from last week and uh, Shipman and Alice, their two running backs, they went over 230 yards rushing uh, or around 230 yards for those two backs. So they're probably going to become more one-dimensional, which is going to hurt them uh, in the long run. But, you know, you look at, at, at Brock, you know, there's, that's a rough district, you know, in, in general. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they, their record definitely doesn't speak to, you know, they lost to Pleasant Grove by three, Wimberley by eight, I think. You know, Gunner beat them pretty big. But to your point earlier, you know, Gunner and Canadian are battling for that one-two spot. Uh, but, yeah, I do think, you know, but they've got Paradise sitting in their yep. district as well, Brock does. You know, they're sitting, what, number six, I think, uh, at least according to Dave Campbell. So, but, you know, Weisberg on Pilot Point, can you count either one of them out at any point in time? You know, they may be down a little bit, but I think they're a little bit like some of our teams. They can kind of flip that script in that district pretty easily with just one game uh, kind of surprising everybody. But, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to – it's either going to be Paradise or Brock that we're going to have to go through. My suspicion is it's, it's going through Brock again, and uh, hopefully Bushling can get in there and battle that out. But, you know, they're a great team uh, size. You know, Brock's big. Uh, I think they ran into a bigger, bigger team last year at the state championship with Franklin, yes. but, uh, you know, which was a little surprising. I didn't know anybody was bigger than Brock. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I definitely think it goes, uh, the road goes through Brock probably this year, regardless of what their record says. Uh, I think they're, they're gearing up for a great season. I do think y'all might end up seeing Brock a little earlier. I did predict in our big R's preview show, I actually had paradise winning the district, but I had Brock getting the revenge against them. You talk about paradise and, and in a region that has the quarterbacks that it has y'all's. And then we talked about Canadian uh, Austin Iglesias, the, and he is such a fun story because three years ago at paradise, he was a running back. And then two years ago, he was kind of the, well, we move him around. We'll do different things. Last year, he stepped into that quarterback role. And he also grew up to six foot one, 190. Uh, and for all the talk of all the great quarterbacks, that's another one that, you know, paradise is loaded. I mean, again, we get lost in this region sometimes because Brock tends to win it at the end, but it's not like the region one, you know, five years ago, you can make the case that region one was a little down. I don't think yeah. you can make the case anymore that three, a division one region one is a down region. No, no, not at all. And it's been, you know, since I took over doing this radio broadcast in 2017, we, uh, there was a two year period. We popped up to four AD two for just a little bit. And that's, that's the deepest run we've made in the playoffs. Uh, you know, we got to the regional quarterfinals on that one. Uh, and that's the deepest Bushland's made a run. That was 4AD2. But, you know, yeah, I think Bushland, uh, really with Coach Thomas coming in here, is really up the game in this whole region, which makes everybody better as, uh, as well when, when he was here. Uh, but the regions continue to just improve, improve over time.
even help okay. it pay. I mean, that is a good point. I think we might start seeing some go back. thank Chris again for joining us and giving us some great intel on Bushland and his thoughts on that side of Class 3A Division 1 Region 1. If you noticed in the video, I'm wearing the hat with the big L. No, it doesn't mean loser. Stop it. That's that hat right here. Uh, that's from Let's Go Eagle on Smokey.com. Uh, you know, we've been talking about how we wanted to add swag to the table. Eventually want to have enough uh, gear that we can have a 2A table, a 3A table, and a 4A table, and we just switch them out before each show. Uh, and so he sent that lovely hat. I'm going to tell you what, it's an awesome hat. It's fitted. I really do appreciate it. That hat's going to be worn to some football games this year. Uh, and if you'd like to do the same thing, you can email us, grantandterry at s2ssport.com. Uh, you can uh, find us on Facebook, Sideline to Sideline. Email us, Grant and Terry. I mean, I'm sorry, on Twitter, at Grant and Terry. It's been a long, long day. Uh, and just message us on any of those platforms and just say, hey, I'd love to send you some. It doesn't have to be a hat. It doesn't have to be anything expensive, uh, just something durable. We would like for it to last a couple years. We don't want to just have a hat. Or, I mean, have something and then it, it, it fall apart because everything in the studio gets moved around. Like, as you can tell right now, if you look behind me, you know, th th this is the normal outdrink the coverage set where I just have the straight camera over there. And then intern Noe is on at his house and we're doing it through uh, internet, by the way, uh, if you want to have some fun, listen to intern Noe. And I listen to us each and every week when I drank the coverage, we talk Texas uh, college football, all the whole state. Uh, and then we also talk Dallas Cowboys and the NFL. Uh, and if you want to have some fun, listen to us when the Cowboys lose. Uh, you know, I, I love covering 3A, 4A and 2A. It's near and dear to my heart, but I, I tend to just, you know, I watch it. I comment. You know, you root for certain people and things like that, but you don't have that, you know, blood oath, undying pledge. I do with the Dallas Cowboys, and so does intern Noe. And so if you want to hear some fun stuff, uh, listen to us when they lose. But again, listen to us each and every week. Uh, but so, anyway, so Chris, we do appreciate that. Let's go, Eagle. Uh, we do appreciate you with the hat. And again, if you'd like to send us some swag, just let us know. All right. So we went from uh, the Panhandle. Now we're going to swing ourselves all the way East Texas. Brett Swinney of NETSN Live. Uh, they do Chapel Hill football on Texan Live. They have centers broadcast. The Rough Riders can score with anybody. Man, they're fun to watch. Uh, they're going to have a ton of basketball and baseball. Uh, they have a weekly wrap-up show every Wednesday night. And they do our Beast from the East, East Texas show. So check out all their stuff over at NETSN Live. They also have an app, and we're going to talk about that with him. But here is Brett from NETSN to talk a little East Texas foray. All right. Now joined by, as I like to call him, NETSN Brett, because we've got two Bretts in the L4 family. Uh, but this is our host of our East Texas show, The Beast from the East. But you do so much more. Before we even start talking, just tell the fans, in case this is the first time, what is NETSN and what's it all about? So it's the Northeast Texas Sports Network. Um, we do live broadcast uh, each and every Friday night during football season. And all year long, really, we cover uh, basketball, softball, and baseball as well. Um, we have the Center Rough Riders on our network um, each and every Friday night when they're on. Um, we also cover uh, Chapel Hill for Texan Live. Um, we have an audio-only uh, version of that on our YouTube channel for free. When they're on and we also uh, picked up a couple extra schools we've done a few brook hill uh in buller the private school here in east texas uh, we've done a couple of their games we've got several more on the schedule and we'll also be having a um an arp game 
uh, ARPA Grand Sling here in a few weeks. Um, we've also got our podcast, like like Terry mentioned, the Beast from the East show. We go through the top 10 games that we have for the week on our Pick'ems. Uh, we have a Pick'em challenge every week on our app that I'll talk about here in a second. Um, and then we have a weekly wrap-up show where we wrap up the four. We talk about how we did in our Pick'ems the week before. We can talk trash back and forth. We also release our new poll that we have each and every week on our app. Um, and talking about the app, we have a, an app on Apple and Android devices. Um, there's lots of things you can do in here. Our streams are there, um, direct links to those. All our shows and podcasts are there. Um, you have a, a place where you can follow your favorite teams and get notified on scoring updates and changes during the game. And speaking of scoring updates, we have the ability to, any East Texas game that's on our app, you can uh, be at the game and, and update the score for those that aren't able to make it. So um, really interactive scoreboard. Um, again, like we, like I said earlier, we have our Pick'em Challenge each and every week. We have 10 games, um, and we'll have a weekly winner each week, and we have a a prize at the end for the overall winner. Um, and then we also have a polls on there as well that we that we announce each Wednesday night, and those will release on the app once the show's over. So tons of stuff on that. It's in just the tip of the iceberg, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you about a little, uh, little East Texas football today, Terry. Yeah, we're going to start in, in a team that's uh, true to you. Uh, I'm wearing their hat. You love the Lindell Eagles. No, I'm kidding. We're going to start with Chapel Hill. Uh, you do love Lindell. I'm not going to say you don't love Lindell, but you hey, are a Chapel. You're a Chapel Lindell. Hill guy. Huh? Lindell's actually one of our schools. We we cover them in basketball, yep. baseball, softball. So we love Lindell. They're, they're one of our schools. Um, but yeah, Chapel Hill, I mean, not surprised the 4-0 start they've had so far. I mean, um, they started off in a, in a track meet with Gilmer. Um, score was a little closer than the actual game. I think, you know, they pulled some, some players out and, and really it was close first half, but Chapel Hill's offense is just ridiculous with Stewart and Brisbane in the backfield. Um, any given play, they can take off to the house. Um, and so it's such, such, I know it's just hard to contain them. Um, I think Van did a really good job at, at, you know, trying to contain them. But the, yeah. the athleticism of Van just wasn't there to be able to keep up with with what Chapel Hill has on both sides of the ball. Um, Nacogdoches was one that impressed me. Um, we talked about them a little bit in our, our East Texas show. I think they're in 5A Division Two. I think they're going to be a, a playoff potential team this year. They're much improved, and they they bottled up Stewart and Brisbane at, at times during the game. Um, but another, another win, and then, of course, the Greenville when the – Chapel Hill pretty much had that one one at halftime. I think this the the JV might have played in the fourth quarter. Um, but, I mean, so far, taking care of business. I know you talk about 4A a lot, Terry. Um, and and a lot of teams that were supposed to be up there with Chapel have slipped so far. Um, you've had Bernie with a loss. You've had China Springs. There's a lot of teams that have kind of slipped early. And, I mean, I don't want to be too homerish, but I don't – see anybody really on Chapel Hill's level right now in four no, We love you to be homerish. And I do <laughs> want to point out that uh, Bernie lost to a 5A Flower Bluff team in week one when the temperatures were 425 degrees. And I do think that when, in fact, I had read a stat and I tried to find it and I couldn't. I, that's one thing I hate when you find something and, and you forget where you found it. But this pat this season, uh, the in the first week of the season the up the higher class team won at a higher percentage against the lower class team than they have in like 25 years and i think a lot of that was 
just the, the, the heat and you're not trying to play. You, you don't usually get your first guys in the first game getting 55, 60 snaps anyway, but especially in this heat. So I do want to, I, I want to point that out. And I also want to point out that look who China spring lost to China spring uh, has not lost to a four, a team yet. I mean, it's all I know, been, I know but I'm just, uh, as as the early uh, horses are kind of getting out. Oh, to yeah, you're definitely – Chapel Hill's the, the thoroughbred that, that's leading the charge. And, and, you know, you and I have talked about it. I know you got tired of me talking about it last year, and I said it in the preview. As long as Chapel Hill stays out of their own way offensively, I, I don't know who stops them. Bernie didn't stop Chapel Hill. Uh, what Bernie did effectively was play keep away there in that second half. But also, you know – Chapel Hill, when they didn't turn the ball over, moved the ball. Uh, last year against Gilmer, when Chapel Hill didn't turn the ball. You, this year's game was more indicative of what Chapel Hill should have done last year to Gilmer. Uh, but they turned the ball over. So, yeah, I, I, I totally believe it's Chapel Hill in the semifinal again. Uh, we'll just have to see past that point. But for now, I think everything that I was worried about with Chapel Hill, they're not doing. They're not turning the ball over consistently enough to hurt them. Uh, and and now they're going to hit district play. And to be honest with you, uh, it's going to be a couple weeks before they're really tested, in my opinion. Yeah, and it may be like this year. I think just looking at nine four A Division one, I don't think it's as competitive at the top. I don't think Kilgore their their defense is solid, but can they score enough points to keep up with Chapel? I think that's going to be the question we see in in week eleven there at the end. Uh, Lindell, their defense is suspect. I don't think we saw what Chapel Hill did to them last year. Um, Palestine's one of those teams, they're one dimensional. So if you can get up on Palestine, like Kilgore did last week and make yeah. Palestine throw, then they're in trouble. Um, of course, Athens is playing well, but have they really played anybody yet? I don't know that they really have, and um, we'll see how good they are against Lindale this week. Um, and then of course, Jacksonville, I, I kind of thought preseason that Jacksonville might take a step up this year in, in year two under coach Holman, but they've struggled early. So, I mean, I don't. I just don't see anybody right now. Chapel Hill comes out and plays even a, a B game. I don't see anybody in the district uh, being able to stay with them. Yeah, it was really funny in the realignment shows that Grant and I did two years ago. We talked about Sulphur Springs and Jacksonville. Those were the two East Texas teams that were dropping down, and I said. In theory, both of them should be good in 4A, but usually only one will. And it seems like that's Sulphur Springs. Sulphur Springs made the playoffs last year, probably going to make the playoffs this year. Jacksonville, I don't know. I, I really thought the drop down to 4A was going to completely change them. I thought last year they were going to have a banner year. And it's funny because they actually start the year with Sulphur Springs, so that kind of worked perfect. I will say Kilgore, I, I think you're underselling Kilgore. Uh, as far as, as far as what they can do, um, I mean, defensively, what they did against Gilmer to me is very impressive, uh, losing, uh, or beating them, but holding them to 23 points that that's impressive. And I know Gilmer missed an extra point, but even, even if they'd have lost 24 to 23, holding that Gilmer offense to 23 points is impressive. And and then you look back at y'all's two games last year, uh, they were both competitive and if I'm not mistaken, didn't they hold y'all to y'all's point low points both games? It was 24 and something, 24 and 32. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, they they're always tough on defense. Um, the the coach over there, he came. He's a defensive coordinator. He came from Pleasant Grove, I believe. Yes. Um, and so they're really defensive minded. If we got the cornerback, you probably can recall his name. A really good cornerback uh, prospect over there in Kilgore. Um, I just don't think. 
to me, they're not as good as last year. I think Chapel Hill, they haven't really lost. They lost a few play- pieces, but the yeah. pieces they lost were easy to replace. Um, so they're basically, you, you, you lose Barry and, and McGregor. Not to say that they weren't good, but you've got skill guys running through through the, the hallways all over the, the school. Yeah. So that was the, the biggest one that I thought that needed to be replaced was Kevion Huddleston on the line. He played both sides of the line. Uh, very, very competitive player now at TCU. And they've been able to do that so far. I know that the numbers don't look great on defense, but they played Gilmer. And you've got to remember when Chapel Hill gets up, they do tend to rest guys. And so oh, they've yeah, given yeah. a lot of fourth quarter points. Uh, talking to Coach McFarland, the defensive coordinator, um, it, he's he gets frustrated with some of us like in the media because they're like, oh, Chapel Hill's defense, this and that. But honestly, it's some of those that have been given up late. So I think the defense is a little better than what we think. Now, Gilmer, we know how good Gilmer's offense is. So, And that one game was just a track meet. It was just like nobody stayed on the field very long. And so I think the defenses were just worn out completely. But that defense with Dede Ross and Trevor Brooks at, on, at the linebacker positions, um, you got uh, Mayfield at cornerback. It's a, a SFA commit. Um, and then, of course, uh, Allen on the line. I mean, you, you've got so many guys. Like, the defense doesn't really get the props it deserves probably a lot of times just because you have Stuart Brisbane in the backfield on offense. So I think they're a little bit better defensively than than we think. And we'll see once they start playing this district play. We'll see how it goes. But I still think Kilgore is going to be the toughest challenge. I think they're a solid two. Um, but I just don't know. It's going to be in Chapel Hill this year, so we'll have the home crowd. I imagine the game will be stole out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking standing room only because that may be one of the biggest games in the area. Because I figure, like, I feel like both teams are going to win out to this point, and so it's going to be for the, for the district championship. Um, but I just think that that they're on a mission this year. I I feel like that the last two years they've not made it as far as they wanted to. They've they've got to the point. Oh, yeah. They're one step away from that game in in uh, Texas Stadium, and it just hadn't got there. So I'm 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 very optimistic that they have a really good chance to run the table, and I'm I'm not going to be too overconfident in that Kilgram, but I f- I just feel comfortable. I feel more comfortable about this year's team taking care of business in that game than even last year's. Yeah, Zaylen Stoker is the one you're talking about from Kilgore. He's the kind of yes. all, everything uh, cornerback slash safety slash wide receiver. I think he even returns kicks. And I don't disagree with you. Uh, I, I do think – I mean, you know what Kilgore is. You know what Lindell is. Uh, if, if, if To me, if there's a, a an uh-oh game, and it, it has to be a game where, once again, Chapel Hill comes out and they're turning the ball over a few times, it's in Athens. I think that's the only uh-oh I see outside of Kilgore. And I don't really think Lindell this year. I, I think Lindell is okay. Uh, I, I think Lindell is one of those teams that they're going to beat the teams they should beat and probably lose to the teams they should lose, which will put them third in the district, and that's perfectly fine. But, yeah, Athens is really, to me, the only other team that that I just look at and go, hey, they could they could catch them at the right moment. That was a really good win against Rusk, in my opinion, for them. And Palestine is, is one of those that's got us the last two years. Um, the two years ago, they beat us. Yep. Uh, that was the first game at halftime. The quarterback quit at the time and, and Demetrius <laughs> Brisbane was inserted, not knowing what was going to become the rest of that season. Um, and they came back and almost won that game. I don't yep, remember, I remember that, but they almost won. 
the next week was first start was in Kilgore and he really played really well. And after that, it just, it's no took, it, yep. it took off. Yeah, exactly. And so last year, kind of the same thing happened. I don't know if you remember this, but the power w- was having trouble at the stadium. Yeah. I watched the that game during the day. Yes. The lights, the lights had trouble. So they had yeah. to start the game early. We actually streamed the game on YouTube because we couldn't stream. We couldn't do any of our stuff that we were trying to do. Yeah. Uh, at that point. So we got permission from Texan Live to go ahead and stream in our YouTube channel. It was just the game, nothing else. There was no uh, audio, right? No, no audio. That's what I so, thought because I can remember watching it. And it was just so weird to watch a football game in <laughs> silence. <laughs> but, but Palestine got up again. And that's the problem you have with Palestine. I mentioned yeah. earlier if they get up on you, they're a clock grinder and they yep. can cause problems to people. That's why it's so important. And I don't think since that's happened two years in a row, I'm pretty certain that. Coach Reardon has emphasized the importance of how to get off to a good start in that one. So, um, but yeah, Athens, I think they're, I mean, the, the Russ game, that's a, to me, that's, that's the one that impresses me um, a lot because they're, I think Russ is a really good team. We'll talk about that district here in a minute, but um, Athens got a chance at that four spot. Preseason, I was, I was leaning more towards uh, Jacksonville, but now that Jacksonville's off to a rough start, I think it's, Athens and Palestine and um oh gosh it went blank Henderson Henderson yeah depending on yeah, who Henderson, I think Henderson. they could all beat each other it could be some crazy uh coin flip slash yep. tiebreaker there I mean really uh Henderson they had a couple key injuries last week so they kind of spit the bit after you know they they lost to they actually played really well in their three game losing to Hallsville Marshall and White House all 5A teams that made the playoffs last year and and White House is supposed to be a pretty good team this year. Marshall and Hallsville, we'll, we'll see. Both of them won their district to begin, or first district games last week. And so there was a lot of excitement. And, and you know, I do the Henderson football show. And, and so I kind of know that, yeah, there's some key injuries. And, and I didn't think it was going to be that bad, but I kind of felt like it would that would happen. Uh, their problem is, is, is if the, if their injuries now they're by this week, so that might help. Uh, yeah. But if their injuries aren't back next week when they play Athens, that's a game they have to win. Uh, yeah. You know, that's what we always talk about on sideline to sideline. And me and Matt were talking about, it's not about beating the teams that are the district favorites lose to them. You're fine. You've got to beat the teams that are at your level or below, and you can't let that happen. But I'm telling you, man, I'm not saying necessarily for this year, but Athens, if Zach Carroll stays there, they've got a really good young quarterback who is, who, and if you, the Harold name sounds familiar, yes, he's part of the, the Harold clan that was from Ennis and, 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 you know, and all that, uh, they're building something in Athens and that's a team that I don't know if I want to play them later in the season, but I especially don't want to play them starting next year. Uh, they're going to be fun. And, and, and you're right, you know, for all the talk about the district of doom, I don't really feel that this is a district of doom this year. I think it's overall, I think it's more competitive. Maybe it's not as top heavy as it has been in the past. I, th- I think there's a there. I think the difference between two and six isn't as big as it has been. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think it's because six has necessarily gotten better as much as two has maybe regressed a little. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll tell you a district that might be the district of doom that nobody for some reason talks about, and it's because you've got Carthage sitting atop of it, but man, 
after that, it is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And I'm, of course, talking about 8-4-A Division Two. And the main reason we're going to finish on 8-4-A Division Two is not only because it's a fun district, but again, as you kind of mentioned earlier, uh, y'all welcome the center broadcast into the NETSN family this year. I actually watched the replay of the Dangerfield game uh, on YouTube, and that was a... I enjoyed their broadcast. It was, you're going to get Homer, which I want. I want a little bit of Homer in my, you know, that's what you listen to high school football for. Uh, but I also thought that they did a good job of crediting Dangerfield for for their, you know, when they did stuff good. It wasn't always, oh, it was our fault or the officials. And, and so check out the center broadcast because they're, they're a fun team. They're going to put up basketball numbers. Unfortunately, they sometimes <laughs> give up basketball numbers. Uh, but more importantly, 8-4-A Division Two is going to be an absolute blast this year. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in that in that district. Um, you, you talked about Carthage, you know, the clear cut one there, but between you, you've got you've got uh, Center, Rusk, and Van, your playoff teams from last year. Um, you expect those teams to be there, but you've got Bullard playing well. Took their first loss this week. Uh, Brownsboro also took the first loss this week. Um, and then you've got uh, Canton down there. They're they're struggling, um, but you've got you've got some really good teams in this district, and I think Brownsboro or um, or Rusk or Van any of those any of those five teams, yeah, could be two through six. Honestly, I agree. I mean, I, agree. I think. I think center to me is probably my number two right now. If I was taking one, the only thing I'm, I'm real, I'm a little leery because they give up a lot of points. Exactly. But, but their offense is, it, it's very similar to Chapel Hill. They put up a lot of points. So it's tough when you've got a team that puts up a lot of points, it's going to take a really good defense to tone them down. I'm not sure anybody except for Carthage is going to be able to do that. Uh, Van plays hard, but they're not as athletic as center. Um, you know, Brook Hill and Brownsboro, I mean, not Brook Hill, Bullard and Brownsboro, <laughs> I'm talking about Brook Hill again, are, are going to be solid, but they're not in his athletic center either. So I look to see, I think that's going to be, and here's my, here's my guess on this district. I think the, the deciding factor is of those three next spots, two, three, and four is who beats who they're supposed to. Yep. Cause I think that Bullard and Brownsboro are going to spoil somebody at some point they're going to catch somebody on a bad game and possibly get that win where it costs somebody a seating or a spot in the playoffs. And you I heard I it really here first. Brett says Brownsboro will beat Carthage. No, that's that, <laughs> I, we're, we're taking Carthage off the table. Now you'll, I'm sure you'll have some guys. If we, you, you go the center Carthage week, I'm sure you'll have some of our guys, Corey. I'm sure he'll pick center. Okay. <laughs> He's upset special. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think, and I talked to uh, a Carthage fan at the, at the Brookhill uh, uh, game. They, we had the, the tailgate before and he had come over before he went to Bullard and I was talking a little bit and he kind of agreed with me. And we've talked about this numerous times. If you're going to get Carthage, you better get them this year. Oh yeah. Because Surratt is going to be credit. Now I'm not saying he's not good now, but he's young. He, he, he's, you know, you've, you've got to get in and get experience. And so I know early he's, he's, you know, had some interceptions. And, and so I think this could be the year that center has a chance. Now, I still think Carthage is going to win. I'm going to pick him game. I'm going to pick Carthage. But I think 
this would be a, a year center could get them. If Carthage has a bad game, they have some turnovers, that kind of stuff. I think Carthage, though, where I see them is Pleasant Grove. I think Pleasant Grove could really give Carthage problems this year. Pleasant Grove has looked really good this year. Yeah, I, I still, you know, I know it's not fair again because I'm the first one that tells you week one, but and I know that they've changed up their offense a little bit, but them only scoring seven or ten on Brock and literally a fluke strip the ball away, uh, you know, as Brock is doing the what Philadelphia does, and they, you know, they push forward and the quarterback's trying to go down and he can't, and and smartly a Pleasant Grove guy just rips the ball from him. That's the only reason Pleasant Grove won that game. And I know it's week one. I I, I know Carthage is young, but it, 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 I don't know. It just, it's just hard to see that. But if you're going to catch Carthage, you do catch them before the play, before state, you can beat Carthage in the playoffs in the first five <laughs> rounds. It's after that you have no chance, but I agree with you with center. I mean, you look at Dixon and cross and Wilburn, there's not a better, we always talk triplets we're, we're, you know, we're in Dallas cowboy country. So you always think triplets, triplets, triplets. There's no better triplets offensively in four a than those three. Uh, again, though, what happens though when they play a van team that might not be as athletic but can score points and it gets into a shootout and every every time and you know this is a Chapel Hill fan when the defense has struggled every shootout it it it, it just takes one turnover and 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 a sixty five to sixty win becomes a sixty five to sixty loss uh, I, I I'm like you though I I don't think the second place team only has one loss I think multiple teams will we could have one of those where second through fifth all have the same district record yeah. it's going to be that and that's why I legitimately if you want to talk about a district of doom in East Texas this year it's this district because I mean. Even, I mean, even Canton, you, you look at Canton and, you know, they, they played Caddo Mills, a really good team to, to a three-point loss. They got beat by Winsboro, but Winsboro's a top five, three, a team uh, center. I mean, they scored 37 again, center has struggled, but they scored 37 against center. So it wouldn't shock me if Canton pulls off an upset against Van. They play Van this week and that's a blood. That's one of those underrated blood rivals in East Texas. They, they don't like each other. No, they don't. Well, it's weird. They're kind of like Longview Marshall. They like each other Monday through Thursday of, of any other time except for when they play each other. Uh, the Van Zant, my first job was Canton, so I learned quick. The Van Zant uh, rivalry is real, and it's one of those rivalries. Uh, you know, sometimes we overrate those. You, you go back and look, and usually the best team usually wins. But that's one of those rivalries where weird things happen. And I, I can remember doing a game in, in the early 2000s, and both teams were scoring you know, 40, 50 points a clip, and the game was like nine to seven. Uh, you just get weird things happening in that game. So I, I am absolutely – I love the fact that y'all have center uh, because it helps me keep up with this district because, again, take Carthage out of it, it's still a hell of a district. Yeah, it really is. And and like I, said, I got to see Van this year, so I've seen them. And you got the Moffitt backfield, uh, Coach Moffitt's uh, sons and, and quarterback and, and tailback. And so – Anytime you have the, we talk about this a lot. Uh, you got the Finneys in Winsboro. Yeah. Uh, anytime you have a quarterback that's a coach's son, you, we just talked about Surratt. That's a dangerous thing because you know he's grown up on the sidelines. They all have, and so they're going to naturally have that advantage and edge, almost knowing what the dad's thinking. And and I think that's just an advantage to have on the field. Oh no, I totally agree. Now in, in 2019. 
Uh, they went six and four. And I remember that, that they were in Carthage's district and, and they Carthage had to fight tooth and nail to beat them. It was like 21 to 10 or something like that. Uh, and that 2019 became a seven and five team in 2020. And then in 2021, that's when they had that great run and, and really played Gilmer. The score ended up being 56, 35, but really gave Gilmer everything they could handle uh, the year that Gilmer made the state championship game. That's where 2019 is where this van team is. They're young, but watch out for them. Don't be surprised if they go a couple rounds, but in two years, Van, in my opinion, has a chance to have one of those 12 and one type seasons again. Yeah, they yeah. they were really young last year. They've got a lot of guys playing, um, you know, multiple seasons on varsity. And anytime you can yeah. have that, that's an advantage. Uh, we talked about this the other night on, on one of the teams. A team brought back 21 guys. Well, that's just like, you know, let's just run it back. Um, you already have things you have to teach as far as, you know, working together and, and what you're going to do. You just keep that going in the off season. It's almost like a an extra whole football season to to get that stuff down. So, I mean, I think Van they've got they've got a couple of um, they've got Hinch and Rowe at receiver. They've got a, they've got some nice pieces. Um, they're going to be there for a couple of years. So I, I really I agree with you. I think Van is. I think this year, um, if they don't get that two spot, um, it's going to be tough sledding because. You know where this district matches up uh, first round, Terry. You don't want to be three and four in this district. Like, what, what is it? I'm trying to think off my head. I always get them. Mixed you up. don't. You probably don't want to play Gilmer. Oh, yeah, and you probably right. want to play Grove. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, I mean, Gilmer. I don't know, man. We'll finish talking about Gilmer. Like, you want to say, okay, hey, look, they they lost to Chapel Hill and they lost to Kilgore. The Chapel Hill game, I agree with you a little bit. The score, what I mean, is is crazy as it sounds it wasn't that close uh then the Kilgore game they should have maybe at least tied they didn't then they struggled to beat Paris now I will say this and I said this with Matt Diggs everybody I talked to that have played Paris say hey Paris is a lot better than their record they're redoing their offense they're figuring some things out uh and and so I I go okay that's fine but then they lose they they beat Lindell by three and and Lindell is okay but I I don't know I, I think I, I thought Gilmer's step back wouldn't be as bad. I thought they would still be a, a team that could be a region threat, and they still might end up doing that. They might be the team that plays Carthage at the end uh, in the region. But more and more, man, I could see a van matching up against Gilmer in this game, or or, or some, or you know, a center. I mean, think about that as your first round game. If that were to somehow that happen, that one might be a hundred to hundred and ten or something. I don't yeah. know. And, and so, you know, again, I, I don't know if, and again, it depends on the team and it depends on where Gilmer finishes. If it's a Canton. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I see that. Or even a Bullard. And I'm like, you, yeah, I think Bullard's, you know, done a good job bouncing back as has Brownsboro, but if it's a Rusk or a center or a van, I think they probably feel they have at least a shot. I don't think that's it's, a, Oh my God, it's Gilmer. That's a juicy matchup though. First round. Oh yeah, no, it is. It's totally you, and, I mean, and, that, and that whole region on that side's like that. I, and I think my main point was, you don't want to be those. You you want to oh, yeah. be even if it's Gilmer that's down, you still don't want Gilmer across the way first round because, like, I feel like that that's one of those things. Like, it's Gilmer. Oh my gosh, like that's if if it's anybody else with that name on the jersey and they're the same team, then maybe it's not as big a deal. But coming out, it seems like when Gilmer's in the playoffs, it seems like they're they're still tough. And so I think 
uh, Coach Metzl, I'm sure we'll, we'll have it figured out by then. I just, my main thing was you don't want to see them. Even if you think you might have a chance to beat them, you'd rather, if you're those teams in that district, you're fighting. You want second or first. You don't want that third spot. Yeah. Definitely not the fourth spot because Pleasant yeah, Grove is on a mission this year with yep. that group they've got. And by the way, give credit to the Hawks. I do want to point. I wasn't trying to say like I don't think they're going to be a region threat. Um, they shut out Paris, and again, Paris has scored points on them. I, I'm I'm curious in that seven four a division two who's going to end up being behind them too, uh, because you've got a North Lamar team that's four and one. Uh, and that's great. And Brendan, Brenton Whitaker's trying to do great things, man. When I first got into broadcasting, uh, Tommy Felty was the head coach at North Lamar and you just penciled them in at six and four. They always were six and four. Sometimes that got them into the playoffs. Sometimes it didn't. Well, since then the Panthers have been terrible, uh, in the last, you know, they have three wins this year. That's the same amount of wins combined they've had from 2018 to 2021. Uh, and so them being four and one uh, is, is I'm sorry, that's one more win. Them being four and one is pretty amazing, but they beat Ranch View, Community, Bonham, and Wills Point and lost to Commerce. Now, Commerce is undefeated, but still right. lost to Commerce. Um, the, the bottom of that district, uh, it's it's going to be interesting, but like a, a Pittsburgh team, that's a team that I, I would love to see go up against a van or, or a center because, you know, Pittsburgh, they run that old school wing T slot T Tristan Auburn, who used to be at Omaha, Paul Pewitt. They're going to grind you down and they're sitting at two and two. They've already played Carthage in non-district and got beat pretty bad. But since then they beat Frisco independence and they beat Sabine and Sabine's not great, but Sabine's not terrible either. Yeah, Sabine's actually one we talked about this year a little bit, Terry. And I think uh, the shocker when they beat Mount Vernon, yeah, uh, that was to me that was that was our upset special of the week. We actually three people out of eighty eight in our pick them that week picked Sabine over Mount Vernon. So um, not a very high uh, percentage there, um, and I just think it's more. I don't know. Mount Vernon is something's going on there. I don't know if it's a coaching change or, or what's going to think they're well, they, lost, they lost everybody. I mean, th there's a reason why the coach left. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not knocking. It. I mean, and, and he wants to move up, but that that's why, that's why a guy that has won had went to two straight semifinals takes the offensive coordinator job at a six, a school. Uh, he, he realizes the coverage bare uh, and, and, and nothing against Clayton George, the, who oddly enough used to be the head coach at, at Tyler Lee, then now Tyler legacy. Um, I, he just, he's coming in. And, and I think this is why they went with a complete fresh start instead of continuing the art Bryles. Cause that's what Brad Allred was. He came from the art Bryles tree and, and they just completely started over. They've got a really good linebacker. They got a really good safety after that. This is more of Mount Vernon was before, Art Bryles and, and stuff where they're still solid, but they're not going to be one of the region threats in three A, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I I know we talked to Derek. He comes on our show quite a bit, and, and he did say that they're young, so they've got a lot of youth that's playing right now. So um, I was just surprised, even at Mount Vernon's level, that Sabine was able to knock them off. But that credit to Sabine, they're they're having a really good season this year. Yeah, you know they're they're, they're three and two. Their losses, the, the West Grusk one's a little disconcerting because West Cross is not great this year. Uh, and, and then they got thumped by, again, Pittsburgh. That's what brought me up to Pittsburgh. They got thumped by Pittsburgh last week. But they start district against an Atlanta team that's all of a sudden really looking not great. They were one of our teams that we 
really high on. They started out two and zero. Since then, they've lost three in a row. Now, to be fair, uh, it's it's been to uh, a solid four A team in Liberty Island and then Brook Hill. Uh, but still, I, I'm just a little surprised. But, hey, it's district week, and when district week starts, man. Anything can happen. The first week of the season, the first week of district, and the first week of the playoffs are always where weird things seem to happen. Well, and and Brookhill just had a great defensive plan. I think that that defensive line coach they had, some guy named Jeremy Hubbard. Uh, Overrated. <laughs> he did. A, they did a pretty good job. Like they, the defense at Brookhill has got. Um, they were able to keep their offense from having too much pressure on them. They had a block kick uh, on a punt that put them inside the one. They were able to punch that in. Atlanta, honestly, um, besides like three plays, they broke out. They had three long runs. Um, Brooke Hill pretty much held them at bay. And and um, I was, again, surprised, too, because I kind of thought Atlanta was going to have a really good season this year. We we talked about them early, you know, start, start of the year 2-0. and And it just struggled. The quarterback got knocked out, I think, week three uh, with a concussion. But I, against the new – I think it was New Boston. And, yeah. Um, but then he was back for the Liberty Allo game, and – and then we thought, well, Liberty Isle hadn't won, but again, it's two they had played. I think the Liberty Isle competition was a little bit higher than what Atlanta had played, and so they came out and and beat Atlanta pretty good. And then, of course, you know, Brook Hill took care of them this week. So I'll be interested to see kind of where that puts them in their district as well, um, kind of moving forward and see where they fit in in their own district. They, in that district with uh, Jefferson as well, right? Yeah. And Jefferson three and one, and they destroyed Centerville, a really good two A team last week, forty one to nothing. In fact, Centerville beat them last year, um, like thirty one to twenty seven or something like that. Uh, they played Timpson earlier this year, literally lost it the same way they did last year, uh, where it was it was back and forth early, and then Timpson just kind of it's weird to say a two A team kind of wore down a three A team, but Jefferson man, they've got you know Cameron Williams, one of the best running backs in uh not only 3a east texas but 3a the state uh first week of the season he had like 300 yards uh they, they've got white oak to begin district this week white oak is in a complete rebuild they're struggling uh the, the, you know tatum has not been really uh imp- impressive you know they beat west grass but they lost to lumberton who's a good 4a team who lumberton hadn't started out really good lost to dangerfield lost to center uh but i still think Tatum is going to be okay inside the district. Well, they they uh, play they play really a, a really tough preseason schedule. We talked about it last yeah. year, and they ended up that ended up helping them later in the year um, because they, I mean you're looking at who they played. I mean you're talking about Lumberton and 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 Center. I mean those are those are four those are big schools and those are oh yeah. And you talked about how the depth was important early in the season. Yep. I mean they they played a a basketball score on net in that first game. It was like 80 to 61 or something crazy. And the the fact that they were able to stay up with a high powered center offense, which you talked about a minute ago with, with having those three uh, triplets that were so hard to stop with cross and, and Dixon and company. I mean, I think Tatum's probably better than what we, what we think we'll, we'll definitely see here pretty soon. Uh, their issue is just, and it was their issue last year too, is just finding consistency on defense. Their offense will score. Um, 
you know, you look at going back just through last year, their losses again to Lumberton, 48, 42 uh, to Dangerfield, 48, 35 to Jefferson, 30 to 28 this year, they lose to center 80 to 63 Dangerfield, 34 to 17, and then Lumberton 44 to 14. And I'm going, okay, well, the defense hasn't gotten any better. And now all of a sudden the, the, the offense isn't quite being as prolific consistently as they were last year. But I'm like you, I think inside this district, because this dis- this is a district that two years ago w- was amazing. Like, holy crap. And then this year with White Oak and, you know, Gladewater. Gladewater is completely just, you know, 10 and four, four years ago to, I, you know, they might win a game. They might win two, but, but so I really that, think one. That Sabine game is going to be a, a big, I mean, Sabine, they, they're from your favor to be Gladewater. Oh yeah, and, and I, I think they should. I I think I think the only game Gladewater will be a favorite in the rest of the year is against White Oak. And I know on Smokey, a couple of the Gladewater fans gave me a hard time because I kind of brought up in passing. I, I said, you know, I, I, Gladewater's down. I could see them being anywhere from fourth to last, and they all hung on that where I said last. And I mean, they're <laughs> they're going to be one game above last. I think they'll beat White Oak, but I mean that's it. I mean that that's that's their that's their ceiling. And how good is that win? Because you know uh, we we love White Oak, but they're just not real good right now. I mean they're they're, they're, not real good. They're young. They're playing a sophomore quarterback. You know, it's just they have one senior on the whole team, I believe. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, and and so you know I don't know you know and and it this where it's it's not always about coaching. Talent vacuums happen even in the great schools, and that that's why great programs find a way to go nine and three in those years. Uh, and, and unfortunately, Gladewater is just not there right now. And it, I, you know, just talking from them, from people inside, they don't know where, you know, I, some have said, well, maybe that eighth grade class, but I've had a couple say, look, we need some, <laughs> we need some luck. We need some, we need a couple kids to, you know, grow 20 pounds over a summer, which can happen. I and mean, that's the great thing about high school football. You get a five eleven cornerback his freshman year and he walks in his sophomore year and he's six foot two. Uh, but yeah, Gladewater and that whole district is, is really struggling. I mean, nobody out of that district, in my opinion, you go, Oh man, that's a team that's going to make a five run, you know, five round deep run or a four round or even a three round deep run. Yeah. That's really sad. Cause I mean, I can remember back when, when, you know, Gladewater was producing uh, D1 commits all over the place. And so it's hard to see where they are now. But again, you talked about it. I mean, if you don't have the the, the kids, it's hard to, I mean, you can only coach so much if you don't have um, the kids to put out there to play. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. All right, so we talked a little bit about your app. Uh, You said it's on Android, it's on Apple. How do people find it, though? What do they need to type? Just type in N-E-T-S-N. It's the only thing that comes up. You uh, you just download the app, and then you can register. It's free. Uh, just put in your name and email address and make you a password. Log in and, and go to following away. You can follow. Uh, you can be like Corey and follow one team. He just follows Chapel Hill. Or you can be like Vince and follow everybody in the whole East Texas area and get notifications all over the place. Um, we also push notifications so when we have shows that, that go live or a podcast that drop, Things like that will have push notifications for those kind yeah. of things. So um, anything you want to know about NetSN is there. Um, the website is also available, uh, netsn.live. Um, there's a lot of things that we have that also are um, on the website from the app. So you can actually go to scores, submit scores, 
uh, look at standings, teams, and stuff on the website as well. There's a few extra features. Um, you can read about all of our our, our broadcasters and, and uh, camera guys and all that stuff, who we have a part of our team. And if you're interested in sponsorships and all that, you can. there's actually a form to fill out on the website. Um, and anything else about us, you can go. You can find there as well. Of course. And in some sports, uh, a helmet just isn't part of the equipment, like basketball or soccer. Hockey has a small type of helmet. They just don't protect you against all the directions of forces that come into play. You can get forces on top of your head, on the side, on the back, but under the chin, there's nothing to protect that except for a physiologically positioned jaw. Putting your jaw in its physiologic rest position brings the actual jawbone away from the skull so that when you receive that force from an impact, that force doesn't get translated through the joint into that cradle of the skull, injuring the brain. same music twice that's okay we'll go with it it's been one of those days i do thank uh brett for joining us here again check out their website netsn live check out their app as well all right we're going to close it out with matt diggs as we're going to talk a little 7-4-a division one salina that district started last week there's some interesting games coming up we'll also talk the north texas region kind of focusing on 4-a 3-a a 4 3A Division One again. I know we're talking that a lot, but I mean for the 3A world, that's a very important district uh, with Paradise and with Brock. And, and we'll kind of spin that off and talk a little 3A. Also talk a little 2A, uh, a little Celeste, another team that's near and dear to his heart. And, and just having fun talking with Matt Diggs, uh, one of the guys that I truly do enjoy talking football with each and every year. So glad that he keeps coming on to these shows. And this was a really fun interview. So here is Matt Diggs. All right, now joined on this very special sideline to sideline with Matt Diggs, Professor Diggs. Uh, first off, how are you doing, sir? Well, I, I feel like this is just a legendary thing, getting to be a part of one of the legendary podcasts in the Texas high school football sphere without Coach X right here. I mean, I think your listeners are now going to get an understanding of how he brings down the show oh. and how anybody in the world could be, be better than him. So, I mean, I guess I qualify as anybody in the world. So uh, anybody in the world is better than Coach X, and I qualify. So thank you for having me on for to, to class this joint up a little bit with somebody who actually can pick a game or two. Well, and, and that's the funny thing is, you know, Coach X, he wanted to do a video style run in and, and surprise you. And then I'm like, dude, you're you're not supposed to be on video. You're Coach X. So that's that's what I'm working with with him. He, he doesn't he, he, he has a good heart, but nothing else. But anyway, you and I each and every week, we like to talk North Texas football. We also talk seven four a. And so what we're going to be doing tonight is you're helping me shoot three shows with one shot. Uh, so let's go ahead and get it. Oh, wait, first off, where can people hear you outside of doing our shows? 
I kind of consider my home base to be Twitter at Professor Diggs. Yes. Uh, from there, uh, you can see uh, I have a DFW podcast every week called Digging for Wisdom with uh, the Mothership Inside High School Sports. I do uh, a podcast, the District 4-3A report brought to you by PilotPointBearcat.com, Bearcats, plural, uh, .com. Uh, so I, I, I talk a little small school football over there. Uh, and, and Inside High School Sports has rankings and picks for me every week uh, on their website, uh, which is dfw.insidehighschoolsports.tv because they're cool enough to have a TV show and I'm not, so uh, that, that you can be housed housed up there uh, to see all those things. Uh, and, and, and really, Twitter is, is where all of the action happens, So uh, and that is at Professor Diggs. Yeah, and, and honestly, folks, if you're driving home from a game and, and you're driving multiple hours or if, if you when you get home and you chill one of the must sees is your dumps every friday night uh, legitimately a joy to read uh you start basically week one talking about who's going to make the playoffs and not i love that about you uh speaking of playoffs there's a district that's 74a that we talk each and every week they have started district play they started it last week so let's go ahead and jump into it uh first off you and i we talked a little bit about it salina i i think uh, kind of shocked the, the, the 4A world beating Anna a couple weeks ago, 42 to 40. But you bring up a good point uh, when we were about to start recording. You know, Salina won the scoreboard, but, you know, that's about the only thing they won. Give them credit for getting the win. But Anna outgained them by 100 yards. Anna, you know, at, at times looked like they were ready to kind of step on the gas. But give Salina credit. They never let them pull away. Yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, and my, one of my assessments in, in assuming Anna versus Salina is Salina has been there. And when you have a program that ha is a pedigree and all the way from eighth grade, I mean, they've been winning. There's a culture of winning. There's an expectation of winning. And Anna, this is really only developed as of last year from them being a legitimate team. Uh, you, you know, and there's still a bit of a mixed match of move-ins because Anna is such a growing area. Uh, right now to where Salina is, is still the man, even though they lost two times last year to Anna, uh, they're still the team that is got the pedigree. And just like we see with Gunter and, and some of these Northern Collin County teams, when you have that pedigree, it, it matters a lot. It puts a touchdown on the scoreboard. Uh, when you get up two touchdowns like Anna did against Salina, it's that understanding that you don't give up and that you, you understand how to get back in the game. And Anna doesn't necessarily know how to put the foot on the throat and, and, and take care of business quite yet that's something they're going to learn that's something that you know coach Parr is going to be teaching and, and and getting to elevate Anna's program up to that but it takes years to do that uh, there, there's a reason why you and I always lament when we get into December it's the same old programs yep. playing the same old games every year it's because there is something to be said for the culture as far as that goes so I was expecting Salina to bounce back but a couple of things I've been worried about Salina with I, I they, they they're very big into style points and what I mean by that like take that game against Bishop Lynch earlier in the year that game was like 50 50 game up till about the third quarter but in the fourth quarter they like piled on 35 points I think they really understand the perception of having these big games and these big blowouts uh, and, and I think they care about that a little bit too much I mean kind of saw that last week with the, the Ranchview game where they're up 76 to 2 at halftime yeah. and you know finally pulled back after uh, after that element uh, whereas Anna is a very good team they, they just have a lot to learn but but you even though you and I both picked uh, Salina and we were both expected them to win, 
like you said, looking back at it, I feel like Anna was probably the better team. Now, now that I don't know how that's going to translate to the playoffs if they have a rematch like they did last year, uh, because Salina is building confidence. And for once, they're actually going to get tested in district. I don't think they're going to be tested as far as, you know, are they going to win or lose, but they're going to have to play some tough games in district. Uh, they're not going to just blow through everything, you know, 70 to nothing at halftime with JV kids playing all the second halves in, in most of the games. Uh, so I think that could actually get Salina and keep them a little bit crisper uh, going into the playoffs. Whereas I don't think Anna is going to get pushed nearly as much in their district. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and talk the rest of seven, four, eight, because I, I bring up Frisco Panther Creek, the Panthers last year, three and eight. Uh, they, they made the playoffs. In fact, they played Anna and got destroyed in it. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people, including me thought that they were going to start a little stronger last year. Uh, that Their wins were against da- North Dallas, Pinkston and Ranchview. They lost to Carter. Uh, they lost to Wilmer Hutchins uh, this year. It's been the exact opposite. They're four and one. Their only losses to Emerson, 48 to 31. Uh, but y- you could also make the case that who they've played. Aubrey is nowhere near where they were last year. Uh, so how real is that four and one for the Panthers? I think it's very real because you look at the Frisco Emerson game and, you know, you're getting, if, if you're seeing that kind of play out in real time, you're seeing updates where, you know, they're up on Frisco Emerson at times. And Frisco Emerson is widely thought of as a 5A Division II team uh, that is a legitimate state contender, yes. uh, probably right now the favorite to win a 5A or 5A Region 1 and get to the state semifinals. I don't know if they'll beat whoever comes out of Region 2, whether that's Melissa, South Oak Cliff, Lovejoy, or any of the other teams that are going to play be playing good football out of region too but the fact that they were able to play with emerson uh for as long as they did i think immediately indicates that this team is a real team who can be a threat in in the right circumstances some of the computer polls i'm looking at actually have them against salina as a 50 50 game i don't think it's a 50 50 game at all i think salina is probably a two to three score favorite over panther creek and i'm gonna go see panther creek this week so i can see them with my own eyes i know that braxton roberts is a is a special player and and he has been doing big things. And when you have a team like this and with Emerson uh, who bring everybody back and you have that consistency, I think we've seen over the last five to 10 years, when you think of shadow Creek and Manville yeah. and, and Peto and some of these other teams that uh, built up and got to bring everybody back, there's just a special chemistry that, that builds. So I think Panther Creek is a very scary team in seven, four, a and Salina, if they play a little bit down and thinking, Oh, you know, we, we can beat anybody in this district. Panther Creek is good enough with maybe a turnover to, to beat them in that game. But I think Salina uh, will avoid that temptation because they're coming out and, and playing every game hard as, as we refer to when they beat uh, uh, Ranchview 76 to two. And that game was a completely first half game uh, when they were able to score those 11 touchdowns. Now is Panther Creek, are they going to stay four a, or they are, are they one of those that's it's they're going up to five a. Yeah, they'll be going up to 5A Division II, I have to imagine. Uh, I mean, they're one of the bigger schools in this district as it is. You know, only North Dallas and and, and Carter are a little bit bigger than them. Uh, but they're adding school, you know, they're adding students left and right. And they're basically playing this 4A uh, Division One with probably 5A Division Two, maybe even low-end 5A Division One numbers, uh, which gives them a depth advantage when they bring everybody back like they did anyway. Uh, but, you know, even their second and third teams are, are being built up right now with underclassmen who are 
getting valuable reps and valuable playing time. And if they get to go three, four deep, depending on how the playoff road runs, that's going to be huge for next year as well. So this is something that is uh, building upon itself. And Panther Creek is, is a fun program to watch. And again, like you and I always, you know, lament that we're tired of seeing the old, uh, same old teams again. It's fun to talk about a new team, even though it's a, it's a growing burgeoning area over there at Panther Creek and Frisco ISD. Uh, so it's fun to see a school that's able to actually push around Salina and, and not be intimidated by Salina and Anna and uh, some of the other big schools. But when we're talking about this 4A division, uh, Division One, Region Two. This is really the murderer's row, and you, you know, yeah. by round two, you're playing somebody who, in any given week, could uh, theoretically win this region. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be a tough road for them. Uh, but it, this district is definitely going to get them prepared for that. How how do you look at Carter? Because you know, I, I like what they did, and they haven't played the toughest schedule, but I like what they did in three of their games. But that Sunnyvale loss. Now, in saying that. They have this weird thing against Sunnyvale. They they cannot beat Sunnyvale, and and Sunnyvale is a, a solid four A Division two team. But this isn't the Sunnyvale of a couple of years ago that was state ranked, and a lot of people thought would make a a, a deep run. Uh, so where do you see Carter fitting in in this district? You know that there's a couple of head scratchers there because you know. 4A Division II in DFW area districts are, is bad. I mean, it, it's just flat out bad. And I, I've, I've got Sunnyvale as my number one team in 4A Division II, but, you know, it's not a confident for you. It's not, you know, it's not, they're not state ranked. It's not a, you know, a team that you can think can do anything, especially when you have District 7 and 8 with Gilmer and Pleasant Grove and Carthage. And obviously the, the big dogs are out in East Texas in 4A Division II and in Region II. Uh, and, and if you t- hear some of the people on some of the Facebook groups uh, talking about that, Sunnyvale Carter game, you're going to hear officiating and this yeah. and that and intimidation. And I, I always kind of, I'm a little skeptical when somebody says, you know, coaching and, or, or refereeing and, and whatnot. Uh, but at the same time, you, you look at that game and as big of a head scratcher as that is on the other side, what they did to Kimball yeah. is immediately, you know, like, Oh, well, this is what they are capable of uh, because Kimball is a very good five, a division two team. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win a playoff game or anything, but I think they'll be competitive competitive in the playoffs. And I think they, I mean, they're running through five, a division two, the, the, the lower tier Dallas schools, like nothing. Uh, and, and they're winning impressively. Uh, Bam Harrison, the coach over there uh, is doing a great job at Kimball and Carter handled them without, and that's a rivalry game. They handled them without any sort of problem. Uh, so I think Carter uh, right now, I have them at number three in this district, but they're going to be competitive with uh, Panther Creek. They might be competitive with Salina. It, it's just a mental game with them because they don't have a lot of depth over there uh so are they going to go into the game like like against Sunnyvale where they're feeling like we're not going to win something is going to happen and we're not going to be able to overcome that adversity or are they going to be playing like they did with Kimball with that swagger where they're ready to come in there and, and you we're full on Carter uh, and, and we're getting back to the old ways of, of Carter. I don't know where their mindset is because you've seen the, these disparate outcomes with Kimball, which they overachieved and then Sunnyvale where they underachieved, but they're very good. I think they're way better than the, the bottom four in this district. And in previous years, that wouldn't be much, but this year with Wilmer Hutchins and Pinkston and even North Dallas to a certain extent playing above their pay grade, that is saying something because if, if you mess around with any of those couple of teams, uh, at the bottom, they're going to beat you. 
so you got to be coming out and ready to play each and every week. Uh, now Pinkston's going to be playing after losing to Wilmer Hutchins last week, a very dangerous freestyle kind of game where they got to steal one now. Yes. Uh, and, and they're probably looking at Carter as their best chance to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I talked about that last week and I'm a very big proponent of uh, when you look at a team like Pinkston or, or even North Dallas or, or, or Wilmer Hutchins, you know, it's not about running through the district unbeaten. I mean, that's nice and all, but it's, it's knowing who you have to beat to make sure you get in the playoffs. And, and I talked about that last week for Pinkston. That was basically an elimination game. And I still think it is. Now I, I, I know Campbell has it that Carter's a four point favorite. I, I don't see that. I, uh, I, I think that when, when, when they play, I, I, I think Carter handles Pinkston pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that. And and on Twitter, a couple of the Wilmer Hutchins players uh, tagged me in some thoughts and, you know, like, what do you think, Professor Diggs, of this game? And, and I mentioned exactly what you mentioned, that I thought it was an elimination game and, and you have to be hyper-focused on it. And they said that's what their coaches were preaching. So, I mean, the coaches understood the gravity of last week, that this is basically week one of the uh, district play you're playing for the playoffs right here and right now. And they got up for it. And Wilmer Hutchins has been a team, if you look uh, over the last three to four weeks, uh, they have been increasingly getting better. And that's what happens when you have a lot of sophomores on the team and, and they're getting that confidence and playing hard. I looked at their Northside game, that 12 to nine game was an ugly football game. And Northside is not a team that uh, you expect much from. And, and I was kind of getting a little bit down on Wilmer Hutchins. But then when they started, you know, when they beat Hillcrest the way they did, I, I feel like they woke up something yeah. from that North side game to where, where they woke up against Hillcrest, they woke up and then they completely obliterated Pinkston. Uh, and so I, I I'm a believer. And now at this point, I think Wilmer Hutchins is good enough to beat uh, Carter. If, if, you know, Carter messes around in that game. Uh, but I do think there is a pretty big disparity between Carter and Pinkston. And I think Carter is going to be down on themselves now because now they're going to feel like, we've lost our chance to, you know, get it. I feel, I feel like they might already be defeated uh, because they didn't put up much fight against Wilmer Hutchins, not even second half fight, not even garbage time fight. Uh, Wilmer Hutchins completely had their way. So uh, a lot of times it's about the belief with, with, with some of these teams that are just learning how to win and four no Pinkston is just learning how to win. And I feel like uh, psychologically they may already be done. I, I genuinely think Wilmer Hutchins could end up second in this district. I, I legitimately believe that. And I will say this, no matter where they end up in realignment next year, they're going to be a scary team in DFW for it because they're going to stay in four. And I'm pretty sure they're going to stay D one. Uh, and you said it best. I mean, they're a team of sophomores and juniors. I think next year they had 15 returning starters coming back this year. And I think, you know, as long as everybody stays on the team, I, I think they're going to have, about that coming back next year, you know, when they first came back, everybody kind of, they had that hot pick. Oh, they're, you know, they're back and they started out nine and two. And then they've kind of just been bounced around that six and five area. I think they're breaking out of that this year. I think this year legitimately is a leaping point for the Eagles. And I think they're going to surprise some people inside this district. I absolutely agree with you, but again, it gets to the it gets to the idea of how are you going to play in the playoffs. Let's say they yeah. get up to number two. Uh, you know, they might be looking at a team like Sulphur Springs. Do you feel like any with any sort of confidence that a Wilmer Hutchins team can play a neutral site game against Sulphur Springs and beat them? No, no. Yeah. 
But in saying that, if I can flip it and say, if you're a Sulphur Springs, do you think that you can play a neutral site? I mean, you know, Sulphur Springs, and I said they were the best one in nine team in 5A two years ago. Because if you looked at when they were one in nine, like every loss was a, you know, a one loss or one or one possession uh, score. But last year, I really thought they were going to come into 4A and be more not not a region favorite but I, I thought they were a team that could play two to three rounds so i mean i agree with you on that but i think you could actually say the same thing for for sulfur springs or a team like sulfur springs absolutely and and, and paris is you know you could put the same kind of uh paris, spin on you know if, if you're gonna be playing paris in the first round uh, and, and paris sulfur springs that game could go either way and, and, and they could end up flipping two three three two depending on how that goes uh, you know, Salina in, in this district, assuming they win the number one uh, spot, has probably got the only really safe game because, you know, whoever gets the four seed, whether it's Kaufman, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be looking at that or, or Nevada community. You're not going to really be looking at that game as any sort of meaningful upset, you know, w- w- with a one versus four. Uh, but definitely pa- uh, Panther Creek, Wilmer Hutchins and Carter can play uh, with uh, Sulphur Springs. Uh, Kaufman or Paris or even Nevada community, depending on this Nevada community has messed around and, and ended up, you know, finding its way into the playoffs more than once uh, in a district like this. And, and Kaufman and Paris, they still got to learn how to win. And, and, and they're on the younger side. Uh, but Anna, you don't want to see Anna in the first round. So uh, whoever ends up in that four spot is, has definitely got uh, uh, some work to do. They got to put the hard hats on. Well, I, I tell you what, you don't want to pay, play Paris in the playoffs. I have never seen a team that is one in four and that everybody I talk to that beats them the next week says, dude, just wait, just wait. They're, they're changing up their offense. You know, they ran the wing tee for 15 years. They're now spreading it out and, and talking to Gilmer coaches, talking to van coaches and fans, talking to Salina coaches and fans who they all beat Paris all come back and say, dude, this, this team by playoff times, if they can just keep their confidence, they're going to be scary. And and I, and after watching some of that Gilmer uh, tape, I don't disagree. Once Paris figures things out offensively, I, I think Paris is one of those teams that might have four losses but end up playing two, three rounds. Yeah, I think it was in 2020, the COVID year, where you know they lost a couple of games by forfeit, yeah. and then they they got in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, I think they knocked Melissa out uh, and just started going through things. So P- Paris has a winning culture and a winning pedigree, and and I really like their coaching staff over there. Uh, so they, they will be a dangerous team. Uh, but again, you you mentioned I think that the, the essential thing, if they keep the confidence, if they keep their heads yeah. up, uh, because in this district, you know they could very well. You talked about them having four losses they could end up having seven losses i mean they could make the playoffs at three and seven and what kind of confidence are they going to have at that point uh so that's going to be the the key element for them and you got to get out of fourth uh because you know just like we talked about how you want to avoid anna you want to avoid uh salina but they get four and six and you know they get maybe a wilmer hutchins in the second round or or get a panther creek uh who, who is brimming with a lack of experience that's definitely an upset pick all right, so let's go ahead and do our picks for this week in 7-4A Division One. Uh, I'm going upset in the first game. I'm saying Wilmer Hutchins gets a mini surprise and they beat Panther Creek. Give me Panther Creek by two scores. And and, wow. and this is a game I feel like could get even worse than that uh, because it's one of those things, I think it's either going to be a close or a blowout. And I know that that sounds weird, might sound weird to listeners, but I think if, 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 they, can, if they are on the point of attack better than Wilmer Hutchins, they're going to blow it out. But if it's one of those games where Wilmer Hutchins, it's a close game, 
you know, I think they'll be able to keep it close. But in, in my gut and, and really looking at things and just looking at that Emerson game, because if you and I were talking and, you know, you, you, like Frisco Emerson against Wilmer Hutchins, what do you think, Terry? You're going to say Wilmer Hutchins or you're going to say Emerson. Emerson by three it, touchdowns, it, yeah. You know, so this is a team that played for 36 minutes with Emerson back and forth and Emerson pulled away in, in the fourth quarter uh, to give it the, the point margin. So I think Panther Creek at their best is probably two scores better than, than Wilmer Hutchins at least. All right. Carter versus Pinkston. I have Carter winning by as many as they want. Yeah. I mean, given that Carter or given that uh, Pinkston already lost by 32 to Wilmer Hutchins, I think Carter will probably do that if not worse. Uh, and, and I think, you know, there will be a little bit of internal competition uh, with them and, and their scoreboard watching. I think they want to kind of give a message to uh, Wilmer Hutchins that we're, we're already better than you and we're going to walk into that game and show it. So I think they were going to look to win by more than 32. All right, and then the last game, I know this sounds funny, but this is an elimination game for one of the two, uh, Ranchview versus North Dallas. Uh, both of them lost two teams above them uh, in the district. So one of these teams is going to win and, and at least for another week think they have a chance for the playoffs. And I like, I, I think Richard Leonard will do some good things at Carrollton Ranchview, but that is a long-term rebuild. And not that North Dallas is a great program, but North Dallas is actually, you know, they're solid. They're two and three. Last year, they were two and eight, three and seven a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs. They're going to get beat most weeks, but this isn't the old North Dallas that you just, it was going to be 70 to nothing and you moved on. Branchview is such a hard place to win. Uh, yeah. And I, I talked a little bit about this in off season with some people who are asking me about the job. You know, what, what do you know about Ranchview? When you're in Valley Ranch, those uh, all those apartments over there uh, make it so transient. And, you know, you don't get necessarily get to develop kids from from middle school all the way up there. Yeah. You know, you make it a, a boomer class because you, you get some move-ins and then just as quickly they're gone. You know, you, you might get some sophomores and juniors and you're excited about it, but by then they disperse and, and go where they want. Uh, that being said, North Dallas has a little bit of something this year. And I, I think North Dallas is going to win this game uh, fairly convincingly. I'm going to give them a three score point margin on this one. All right, so we're going to turn our attention to a district as we now go across North Texas, a district that both you and I are very, very fond of and we talk a lot about for different reasons. Uh, and, and this year, I think it has literally just been fascinating to watch the, the development of 4-3A Division One, not just because of Brock, but mainly, honestly, because of Paradise uh, what will Whitesboro do is all of a sudden it looks like they went from being, they could be a solid team this year to last week. They played like 15 freshmen for whatever reason. And, and then you got something that you and I know very close to that. A lot of people, I don't think outside understand there is a days of our lives going on at pilot point right now that I will admit, I don't get into a lot of high school drama, but this one just absolutely fascinates me how a football town could just go off the rails so quick. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has the, the 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 coaching chaos, the superintendent, uh, you know, the athletic director, and and the in definition of roles. Uh, it, it's very heavy handed over there as as far as uh, who gets to control what and and why. And, and some of their best coaches have left over the last couple of years, and, and you know they can't keep a head coach. I think this is the third year, third uh, third straight coach over there, uh, and it is just chaotic. And they have gone way off. I mean, the quality of this team uh, going from a team that was kind of 
competitive with Whitesboro in the last couple of years to now, are they going to win a game? Can they win another home game? And, and what do you see in the pipeline that makes you think in the next year or two that they're going to be bouncing back? It has just been, it's, it's been abysmal over there. And, and I think they're going to have to do some soul searching uh, whether or not, you know, it, it's hard to get rid of a superintendent. I'm not advocating they need to get rid of yeah. a superintendent uh, by any means, but the, but the fact that you have that kind of heavy handed nature coming up high, I think there has to be a little bit of soul searching about what people's roles are in trusting people. And I think trust is a big issue uh, right now at pilot point. And, and maybe trust has been a little bit abused when you're having three coaches over three years, you might feel like, well, who knows this area more than me right now. Uh, but there has been, like you said, it, it is full on soap opera ish over there. And it, it's sad because pilot point is one of those legacy programs. That, yes. you, know, you always think of as, as going to be good every single, single year. It's like Albany, you know, or, you know, it, it hurts my heart when I see Monday uh, just bad like they are this year. You know, that's a team that in any given five-year reign could be at uh, Arlington and, and coming out on Wednesday night or a Thursday morning. Uh, and then when they're just getting beat by 60, you know, you just kind of shake your head. And, and right now, Pilot Point is at that level to where you're just wondering, what is going on here? So I hope it's not going to be this year because I think this year is gone. You know, I, I hate oh, to call yeah. it this oh, early. Yeah. This year is gone. I hope they can do the soul searching and it's across all the programs. I mean, we talk about football on here, but uh, you're seeing this across multiple athletic uh, endeavors right now where pilot point is just really struggling uh, to find their identity. And uh, I, I think they have to figure something out in a hurry. Uh, and it might just be that the, 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 the administrators have to trust their coaches uh, and, and take more of a hands off, but it, it, it's ugly over there. Like you said, well, I, I always believe as, as, as the administration, whether it be the superintendent, athletic director, whatever you can be heavy handed or you can be secretive. You can't be both because when you're both, that's when people start going, what are your, what are, what is your end game in this? And, and everything that might, that has happened, there might be a valid reason, but we're not hearing it. And I'm not just talking about us in the media. You and I are very connected with people in pilot point and they're just as confused. And, and so what this has done is you've literally made yourself be the bad guy in the movie. You yeah. are the person at the beginning of the movie. That's we've got to get rid of sports and, and we hate sports. And, and that's how, and you, you're not giving, Hey, this is why I'm doing this. It just makes it look worse. And when people inside the program are confused, then you know that there's true confusion just all through the, the administration. Yeah, they're doing a too too good of a job in their heel character development over there. Like you, you mentioned, you know, creating the bad guy there. Uh, they're doing too much of a, a job with that. And and you and I know that the people at Pilot Point, their heart is obviously for the kids. The heart is for uh, success in that program. But the way it's coming across. It's not coming across well, uh, and, and I think sometimes when you start to get desperate, you start to do too much, and, and now we're starting to see that overcompensating right now in Pilot Point. But uh, as a fan of legacy football and the legacy small school, I hope they figure it out uh, because the District 4-3A report is a much more fun place uh, with a good Pilot Point. But this year, uh, they look like they're taking the offer, and, and I'm still just, how could they not want to play a game against Farmers? But like, how, how do we get to the point where we just don't want to play 10 games for whatever reason i mean that that's what people love to do is at that play at, at that level of football you're playing for the love of the game and yeah. uh, to, to find a way to cancel that game because you're worried about getting hurt and in depth and whatnot 
oh, that just hurts my heart for Pilot Point. You you got to want to play the 10 games uh, and want to get better because that's it's getting the reps that makes you better. Even if you're going to go 0 for 9, 0 and 10, I don't think it matters at the end of the day. You, you're never going to get back that competitive spirit that uh, playing the Farmers would have given you in that day. Uh, and, and to me, I'm still sad for Pilot Point that they got taken a game away from them uh, for whatever reason that administrators wanted to protect the team against themselves. You can't do that at that level. Yeah, you know, I, I said this during the COVID year. I was worried that you, you saw – I mean, you saw teams in the first round of the playoffs being like, hey, you know what, we're good. We're, we're, we, you know, we made the playoffs, we're out. And, and I was like, man, I hope this doesn't set a precedence. And, and I, I'm not saying – I don't know. It just feels like, oh, there's a drop of rain. Hey, let's cancel the game. Hey, hey there's – and I get it. You and I literally were talking off the air before we started. Hey, I'm ready for district two. And in these districts that have longer non-districts, I've talked to coaches on our show and and we'll talk off air and they'll be like, man, I'm just, I'm ready to get through this week. I'm ready to get, but in saying that a senior has 10 games minimum or should minimum, they need every game, not just for development and wins, just because they're not going to play anymore. And like you said, especially at this level. And by the way, pilot points, not the other only one. There's a couple others in the 3A Division twos that tried to back out of games that that couldn't. I just don't like that. If you're going to schedule it in two years and you think one year you're good, then you got to just take your medicine that second year if you're not as good. And backing out for for a for a fraternity of of people that tend to do the whole you don't quit, then what are you teaching your kids when you quit? Oh yeah, the, the 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 what you are teaching your kids with body language effectively uh, in, in your actions uh, is teaching them that we don't believe in you and you're not yes. good enough. And the fact that you know Prosper Walnut Grove, uh, you know, we're talking about them off air too. The the fact that they were able to create an outlaw schedule as easily as they did against some of the teams that they've got, you know, they got to play showed how quickly people were willing to give up on a game or, or to take a bye week. And you know, like you said, you got to give them the ten games because that's what kids have been playing their whole middle school and high school career uh, to play. And, and now you're just worried about health and numbers and whatnot. You know, why even play? Why don't you just, keep, I, I feel like we're getting to the point and I went on a big rant about this because then Ryan did the same thing and they didn't want to play anybody in, in week two. And they just wanted two weeks before district starts. Why, why, why do we even play non-district games anymore? Because if you're so scared to you know, play a game, let's just, you know, let's just play district and, and call it a day and we'll start football in October. It's getting to that point. And I, and I fear your fear is becoming more and more valid with each passing year that teams are becoming more confident and willing to take that week off. I have talked to more and more coaches that have said they would rather go back to everybody in the same district. And then you figure out who makes what playoffs and have bigger districts and may maybe play only two or three non-district games. I I get that. I I get both sides of the the grind, but I I think we've all got to step back and remember that the grind for the coaches and for the media and for everybody else, the kids don't feel that grind. This is the fastest 10 weeks of their life, especially if they're seniors. This will be the, they, they literally wake up. It's August 1st. Next thing I, they know their season's over, whether it's the end of the regular season in, in three weeks of the playoffs or the state championship game. And, and I think we've got to remember that, that for us, it's a grind for the coaches. It's a grind for the kids. It's not. And they're the ones that are supposed to be supposedly the most important part of that. And I think that's, what's getting lost. 
And there are kids who are going to be on the downhill spot as of this Friday, that they've played six of their 10 games yes. already as of this week. And I feel like we were just breaking down preseason stuff just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, who's going to make the playoffs? Who's going to do this? And now we're seeing, you know, legitimate thoughts about, okay, what basketball season is going to be looking like. Uh, it, it, you blink and it goes. So you've got to give those kids all the reps you can. All right, so let's go ahead now and focus more on the fun part of 4-3 A Division One. Uh, Brock, I saw them against Gunner. Um, I, I've, I've amended how I feel about that game. I, I really thought in the moment, like, wow, you know, man, th- this is bad. Bro- Brock is definitely down. Brock is, you know, can they even – uh, will they will they uh, get out of the second or third round? But then, you know, it, it helps to do a Brock show, not only because I, I, I get to to hear the positive, but just talking with, with the coaches. And, and the first thing that, that that they basically said when I when I was talking to Coach Mathis was, you know, how do you feel after after this run? You know, you, you're non-district. And he said relieved. And he goes relieved. He goes, I, I think legitimately that was too much of a grind, you know, and, and I think maybe, and Gunner, by the way, if you put Gunner in three, a division one, they went three, a division one, region one, at least, and and possibly, I don't know, Columbus and all them down there in region three is going to be fun, but I, Gunner, I'm not taking anything away from Gunner, but I think Brock was just a tired football team. And I still think that there's a path for them to still be the region dog when it comes to it at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think they're still the favorite. And one of the most fascinating articles I've read, uh, Austin Jackson, who is uh, who works for the Wise County Messenger, he was writing up the uh, the, the game story from uh, from Paradise this past week, and the whole story was about Brock. And you're like, you know, wh- why are you writing about it? And, and like the first, the bio, you know, the the, the hook was even though they weren't playing, everybody was thinking about Brock and, and yep. every, every snap was about Brock. And uh, the coach was on record saying we are preparing uh, seven weeks in this district for Brock as if everybody is going to be Brock and Brock has got so much real estate in everybody in this district. And the same thing happened with Whitesboro, those two years that Whitesboro was exactly. not competitive, that everybody is thinking about Brock, Brock, I don't think Brock is thinking about paradise very much. I mean, I know they, they know it's going to be a good game, but Brock is probably thinking about, you know, what's Bushland going to look like? How's Jim Ned playing? And, you know, they're, they're looking more holistically, uh, you know, obviously they want to win the game, you know, they want to win district. Uh, but, you know, the fact that paradise is basically putting their, all their eggs in this basket that we have to beat Brock. And, and last year that game was ultra competitive. And I don't think anybody can say with certainty that who's going to win that game this year. Uh, but, Paradise hasn't played anybody at this point. Yeah, they've got the style points are looking great, but we know what Brock, we know what Brock's ceiling looks like. We know how Brock can play. Paradise, yeah, you're looking good against bad teams, but they're still bad teams. And you're not going to get a defining game until you play Brock. And, and that could be good or bad because they're not going to have seen the speed of Brock. They're not going to have seen the size of Brock until they get to Brock. Whereas Brock has seen Paradise, that'll be their fifth time that they've seen the team like Paradise. Uh, so I, I think Brock is going to have the mental edge. Uh, so Paradise is probably going to have to play two to three touchdowns better than Brock just to beat them by a field goal. And and I think that that's going to be a, a hard living for Paradise. You know, you, you just kind of, and this is why you're you're so great, because you do these things, you don't even know it. But we just literally talked about teams that are playing teams that, that are way better than them, so they're trying to find ways out. Um, I, I know the scheduling is easier on a two-year cycle with realignment and stuff, but maybe – it, 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 are we at a time maybe we go one year cycles? Cause you look at paradise and I think this schedule last year was great for paradise. They're still learning how to win. They're still really young this year. You're exactly right. 
And I didn't even think about that because I actually, in the Big R's preview show, I picked Paradise to win district, but brought to get them back in the playoff game. Uh, the old pilot point a few years ago that happened. But I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you now that, you know, when Paradise hits, when when Brock hits Paradise for the first time in their game, that's going to be the hardest that Paradise has been hit all year long. When Paradise hits Brock, it's going to be hard, but Brock's going to be like, yeah, Wimberley was way better. And I saw Wimberley last week. I against Lampasas and Lampasas is a really good 4A team. And, and what Wimberley's line did to them just wore them down. I, I just, I, I kind of am flipping now about this district because I agree. Austin Iglesias is amazing. Paradise is loaded. Paradise will play a long time, but I want to see what happens when that, when that, when that Brock game kicks off and, and see how they respond. And, and I'm hoping that we get them in, in the, the fourth round of the playoffs like we've gotten with Whitesboro the last two years. I think Paradise has the best chance to get us that. Now, I, I wanted to ask you this because I was thinking about this, and I think you'll have some good insight. Paradise, Brock in the playoffs. Where would you play that game? Wow. I know. Like I, I can't figure out where you, maybe Globe Life just because, you know, it's the yeah. convenient thing. But you know, and Brock's went. Brock's played there a couple times. Um, you know, Whitesport was easy. You go to Denton. Uh, Pilot Point was easy. Wow. Yeah, I guess Global. Heck, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of screw it and and, and and flip it and go home and home. Especially if you're playing a district opponent because you've been there. Like, right. th- th- there's no. Now, I get it. If you're if you're a, an East Texas team and you're playing a West Texas team in the semifinals and you've never been out there. But if it's Paradise and Brock, especially if I'm Paradise, even if I've beaten Brock in the the district, you're still going to be seen as the underdog in that playoff game. I would be screw it. Let's flip it. Let's see what happens. But especially in that, because you're right, there's not a, a, a I mean, I guess maybe you go Brock might go Tarleton as their home and, and do something like that. But yeah, that's a good question, man. So that's what I like about you. You're already thinking about the logistics of that. And then you got to figure out where you're going to eat. Oh, that's what we have to do. Never mind. But, but yeah, I, I th- this is going to be a fun district because not only of Paradise and Brock, but that third and fourth place. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that they're going to make playoff hay, but it is going to be fun to see who ends up in those two spots because this is the first year in a while that you don't have three really good teams. You have two good teams and then a bunch of everybody else. Yeah, you know, I, I still think Whitesboro is probably going to be. I think Pilot Point, Peaster, Ponder, and Boyd are all about you know the, the same kind of animal, and, and maybe Peaster a little bit better. You know, you know, depending on on if they're able to stay healthy and what goes on with that. I still think Whitesboro. We saw them only beat the Pilot Point by three touchdowns, and and you know that that might have even been considered a little bit of a disappointment. I think Whitesboro is still three touchdowns better than all three of the other teams there. Uh, so I think I've got them slotted in number three. Four is when you're going to have a real battle because you just, you know, you could make a case for every single one. And and the team I was making a case for on the District 4-3A report repeatedly, Boyd, they just lost 78 nothing to Brock. So how am yeah. I going to go on the District 4-3A report when I tape it tonight and sell, you know, that show that, you know, Boyd is still a fourth place team when they couldn't do anything against Brock, you know, not even their second team, uh, you know, in, in the second half, that game was 61, nothing at halftime and Brock started rolling in uh, backups real quick. And, and Boyd couldn't do anything against their second or third teams either, you know, and, and, and they've got Braden McIntyre, who is a, you know, all world quarterback over there, as far as, you know, 
three A quarterbacks go. He's probably you know one of the best quarterbacks. You put him on Brock, I think they would take him in in a heartbeat. Uh, and, and he couldn't generate any sort of offense against this Brock team. So you know who's going to get that fourth spot? Ponder, new coach over there. Peaster, new coach over there. Uh, lots of questions. Pile point. No, that's that's the only one I'm ruling out. <laughs> uh, Peaster, Peaster, Ponder, and uh, uh, Boyd all have a legitimate shot to make it to that uh, fourth spot. And now that I have that bulletin board material, it'll, it'll probably end up being pilot point well you know i i will say that maybe there was the idea in boyd that second half of hey we're getting our ours kick let's just go ahead and pack it in because again going back to what we talked about in seven four a boyd's not trying to beat brock to make the playoffs uh, right, you're right. trying to beat ponder peaster whitesboro and so maybe there was the idea of hey because because i got i got told by some people that was there that it looked like boyd basically ran the white flag up at halftime and, and like th- their guys just didn't want to hit Right. And what are you going to do when it's 61 nothing? I mean, I mean, at that point, you've already th- shown through your effort, you're, you're running the white flag up there. And that's that real estate I keep talking about, because I think they'll all play paradise much better because they're not scared of paradise, even though paradise talent wise might be just as good as, as Brock, if not better in a couple of spots, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But none of those teams are looking at paradise as with this fear factor. Uh, but everybody is looking at Brock with the fear factor and, and Brock, like I said, it, is coming to all these games with two to three scores already on the board. Uh, and, and I just remember that coach Mathis uh, rant at the end of uh, one of the non-district games that he can't wait to get district and they're going to kick the snot out of everybody in district. And that's pretty much what they did. Uh, at least five of the uh, four of those games, obviously Whitesboro and, uh, and paradise gave them pretty good games last year, but I think it was that mindset that helped Brock get to that next level. Yeah, you know, Pilot Point beat Brock a couple years ago in district, uh, and that was a, it was kind of an upset. Uh, but nobody that has played right now in this current any team has beat Brock in district. And, and I kind of agree with you about the Paradise against other opponents. Yeah, Paradise was ten and three last year, but you know that Pilot Point game was a shootout. Uh, it was forty eight thirty four. That Boyd game, if I remember correctly, was like a seven point game at half, and then Boyd, I mean, then uh, Ponder ended up stretching it out. Uh, so you're, you're kind of right. I, 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 even though paradise is really good and I still think that they might end up winning the district. I, I still think that there's going to be a, a tough game or, or two inside the district that they're not expecting to be tough. Yeah. When you, when I look at the metrics and, and, and this is kind of where it gets a little bit weird and I feel like almost hypocritical paradise was better than Brock in that game last year. I mean, that oh, was yeah. a game that they should have won. And if not for the fluky, you know, roughing the kicker kind of a thing late in the game. They do win that game. And then you look at what they have coming back. Paradise has more coming back than what Brock has coming back. So you look at those two metrics and a lot of games I apply that and I have a heck of a pick them record uh, using that metric. You would look at Paradise to be a favorite uh, in, in that game. But Brock, just being Brock, being that real estate mogul in, in the in the head of Paradise, does Paradise know how to win that kind of a game? Because when it got a little little dicey last year, they didn't they weren't able to do it. And then by the time the playoffs came, uh, when Iglesias got hurt, they had nothing against uh, against Whitesboro in that game at Prosper. And I, I was there and uh, yeah. They just didn't have the depth. So as long as Paradise stays healthy and everything stays perfect, Brock can handle an injury or two and, and still be fine. Paradise does not have that luxury. They got to have all hands on board every single game just to have that chance to beat to beat Brock. 
All right. I want to move over to you, one of your favorite teams, a team that's blue and true to your heart, and that's the Celeste Blue Devils. And the reason I want to talk about Celeste is not only because you like to talk about it, but I do a Munster uh, football show. And one of the things I love about the head coach of Munster, Brady Carney, is he's one of those coaches that will just literally, you know, I can say, hey, coach, I want to ask you what your thoughts on district. And he gives his thoughts. He doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't try to play nice. He doesn't try to say good things about every program because he's afraid that they're going to, you know, use it as a uh, bulletin board. And he truly believes that, you know, Collinsville is a kind of a step above everybody. Uh, but he truly believes that his Munster team and Celeste, uh, are the two teams that could challenge Collinsville. And, and, and I love what Demetrius Rector has done at Celeste. Uh, it, it's a program that always has had athletes, uh, but have always struggled to be consistent. And he's actually building some consistency there. And I'm telling you what, it's a Blue Devil team that honestly probably should have been playing into the second round of the playoffs last year. Uh, you and I talked about that. I was wondering how, I was wondering how Bushland and how they would react to their collapses because those two teams had two of the more epic collapses in the lower classes last year. Uh, and talking to Celeste people that they, they seem to feel like that the chip on the shoulders there and that they think the blue devils are a dark horse in the region. I mean, as disappointed as you have to be about uh, how they lost to Winthorpe, and I got to watch it fr front row and center, getting yep. to watch that uh, a complete meltdown. It is the motivating factor for this year because they have so much coming back. They have their quarterback coming back, uh, and, and everybody remembers. You know, we we can't you know we can't take anything for granted. We have to play forty eight minutes. We have to to get better. Uh, Munster beat them up pretty good last year, thirty four yeah. to seven. So I don't think that they've overcome that, a twenty seven point deficit. Uh, but you know, when I'm when I'm looking at Celeste, I'm, I'm always looking at District Seven Two A, uh, and I'm keeping an eye over there. Like you know, who's going to be if they end up being third, they'll play the second team over there and and the two teams that are really worth anything in district 72a is seymour and winthor so you know how is that going to shake out and how does celeste match up against that celeste matched up very well against winthorst last year and should have beat them if they get a rematch i, I think they would love to have that redemption uh so i, I think they they want to see winthorst end up getting second have to see, let seymour uh win the district over there and and take that game obviously getting into that second position if they can beat munster which i don't think they can uh, but it gets way easier if you get because the third and fourth place team in seven two a you know you're looking at Archer City and, and maybe Haskell you know and that's the district with Monday and, and I can't believe how bad Monday has gotten from a team who is playing for state championships you know it just seems like five years ago uh, so. I think Celeste has that chip on their shoulder and they're growing and they want a rematch and they want that redemption against Winthorst. But at the same time, like you said, like you said, with Collinsville and, 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 and Munster, they get pushed in this district, but the bottom of this district was Santo and, and where, what, what has happened with Lindsay? I mean, Lindsay used to be that team that you would expect to be right there in the playoff mix. And, and they might be that fourth, fourth team. Uh, but they're a team that you would expect to be up there with Munster in the past. And uh, Lindsay has had quite the fall from grace as well in this district. Well, and what, from what coach Carney's talked about with Lindsay is that they can score. Uh, their issue is, is they don't have uh, size and they've never really been big, uh, but they don't have size and they just don't have the depth that they, that they've had back a few years ago when they were, you know, running that 11 and ones and 12 and twos and, and we're making some hay in district. Santos is the one that has fallen quick too. You know, last year they were 10 and two and then they had to replace a ton, but you have Hutt Thornton, but 
Thornton, their quarterback, has been hurt. Uh, and, and this is where we always talk about with these teams of uh, at this level. You said it best with Paradise. You know, you lose that one guy, and it's the difference in being a, a two or three round team or being three and seven. And a lot of these teams, when you lose your best player, you also you, you best off you lose your quarterback, you lose your best you know safety as well, or you lose exactly. your best linebacker, uh, and, and it definitely has a ripple effect because the person who is going to replace you isn't nearly what you you know are on either side of the ball, uh, and there's compensation for that, and, and it, it grows. You know, you talk about uh, uh, Timson and, and them losing. Uh, their quarterback for a little while and how that's they were able to you know to to navigate those waters but at that level you have to be that good yeah uh, and and you have to be a little bit lucky to stay healthy well and to be honest with you for Timpson going forward Bussy being out might have been the best thing that happened to them for next year because J.J. Garner I mean he's nowhere near Bussy but he stepped right in and he was you know you, you go okay we've got somebody but for other programs that is their and that's why you know I, I do a Brock show and all and, and you get and you know how it is you you, you you give a love for a team on Twitter on a show then everybody thinks you're only rooting for them I want Paradise to go far because this is a this might be a one in a generation type team you might not see this team at paradise again for five ten years or they might be back next year but i know next year they're going to have to replace an iconic guy in austin iglesias so i hate i hate when you see a team that looks like they're going to have that magical year and then an injury not losing not just playing bad football but an injury just cut cuts it short yeah, and, and really, whoever gets out of the, the Brock or Paradise, whoever wins that, at least probably the playoff matchup, that's a state semifinalist. And you know, we, we don't ever talk about Paradise as a team that you're seeing, uh, you know, in basically the, the state semifinals. Uh, now, Malakoff, that's you know who I think is going to come no. out of Region Two right now, and they are looking really, really good. And they're looking even, I, I think right now I would put them as a favorite from what I'm seeing over whoever that is, whether it's Brock Par- Paradise or even if Bushland or, or Jim Ned uh, come out of nowhere and end up winning some games that we don't expect them to win. Malakoff is looking really scary down there in Region 2, just beating up everybody uh, and, and winning dominantly. And even in non-district, when they pushed themselves uh, against Grandview, what they did against Grandview, I was like, okay, you got my attention, Malakoff. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a that's a game that we jokingly always say ends 21-17, and then we went back and looked, and it literally like averaged out to 21-17. Uh, and this year they destroyed them 51-21. Now, you know, they were supposed to be down because they lost so much offensively, but they've got a quarterback in Mike Jones that's just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but what they did is they got angry after that Brock game last year. I, I don't think that they realized going into that game how physical Brock was. And, and it's weird to say this about a Malakoff team, but Brock out physical them. And they took that for heart and, and they rededicated themselves to being the more physical team. And at least early, you're seeing that. Uh, now, the, the issue for them is they're about to kind of just go through a district where maybe Teague, I, I still like Teague. Uh, a lot. Their defense this year is phenomenal, but outside of Teague, nobody's going to challenge, challenge Malakoff and will they kind of start getting bored or will they start kind of going through the motions and then boom, when they hit, have to hit that second or third round where they're playing their first really, really good team since Grandview, will they be able to respond? People don't realize that 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 matters. When, when you go seven weeks where you have just walking through the daisies and then all of a sudden you're, you're playing a gladiator, it can sometimes take you a quarter to an adjust. And then in playoffs, that's all it takes to lose a playoff game. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, 
I think about you, you talked about the Bushland collapse against Brock and, and how that kind of spurred Brock to, to get to that next level uh, against when they had to play Whitesboro the second time and yeah. they get to Malakoff. But, you know, it, it's fun. It's funny that you mentioned how Malakoff has kind of had the Brock effect because you know, my takeaway from that Gunter versus Brock game was Gunter bullied Brock in, in yeah. many ways. It was that whole TPW mentality where they're like, come on, Brock, we want to fight. Please fight us. And, and Brock was like, no, we, we good over here. Uh, you know, we're, we're tired. You know, we, we've, we've been fighting for the last three weeks. We, we don't have that fight in us. Uh, and if Malakoff has just been waiting for that, you know, that could be a, a variable there that Malakoff is, is penciling in, hoping that it's going to be Brock because they want to hit Brock. They want to get back to where they were last year because that is what's fresh in their memory uh, from, from this past experience. So even though, you know, there are two regions away and we're talking about state semifinals, just like we kind of talk about a Canadian Gunter, just kind of pencil that in and, and talk about that rivalry, this Malakoff-Brock uh, game. And, and this won't be the first time they played or the second time they played. Uh, that's starting to be a fun budding rivalry uh, in a state semifinal over the last couple of years. And what happens though, and I don't think it matters to Brock, because again, Brock's the 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 big boys on the block, so everybody's their rival to the to to those teams. But what happens to Malakoff if Brock doesn't make it? Because sometimes, sometimes you have you've put that picture on the wall. That's your montage all off season, all season. Brock, 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 and then it's paradise, and you just go, oh. And then it just, I have seen teams lose that game that you know they should have win, and you talk to them afterwards, and they're like, man, we just. We were waiting for team A and team A didn't make it and team B slapped us in the face and we just didn't react. Yeah, especially as Paradise, if you know if their ceiling is as good as what we think their ceiling is, and that ceiling yeah. is able to beat Brock not once but twice, and they're going into that game at fourteen and zero, they very well at that point could just be feeling so high on themselves. And Malakov with that disappointment, that's definitely a potential upset pick right there. Uh, if, if that happens, I think that would be a bigger kind of a factor. You know, we kind of even talked about how I think the rest of four three A will be playing Paradise at a different mental level because they just think this is just paradise that very well could benefit paradise if they're able to get to that fifth uh, round and play a team like Malakoff who gets there and has been playing with this chip on their shoulder ready for it and then they get a little bit disappointed because there's a difference in name value with, with all due respect to paradise you know I, I'm, I'm sure most people around the area probably couldn't tell you when the last time paradise has had a decent run or you know they, they might know the name austin iglesias everybody knows the name brock and, and and that's a name value that's a legacy program paradise is kind of like kind of th think of harmony from last year you know and harmony kind of was able to yeah. slide through a little bit because Who's harmony? You know what? What is this team going to be? And and, and they made it pretty far, but you know, with the good talent that they had. Four A, three A, and two A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL guy talk, movie and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. So like and subscribe and check us out. Terry back here. The final segment. Again, I want to thank everybody for joining us here on this special edition of Sideline to Sideline. Uh, again, thanks to Let's Go Eagle for the awesome Lindell hat. If you'd like to send us some swag, you can email us, Grant and Terry, to s2ssport.com. Find us on Facebook, Sideline to Sideline. Find us on Twitter, at Grant and Terry. Just message us on any of those. And again, it doesn't have to be a hat. It doesn't have to be a shirt. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. We have a Timpson football. We have a Lampasas football. By the way, I went and saw that Wimberley-Lampasas game this past week. 
Lampasas is pretty solid. Wimberley's on a different level, but Lampasas, they could make some noise if, if they get the right uh, draw in the playoffs. Of course, that's what we always say, the right draw, but it, it, that matters. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't have to be a hat. It doesn't have to be a shirt. Just something durable, something that's going to last because, you know, the goal, like I said, is to eventually be able to switch out the table every show. And so we need things that are going to be able to last and, and not fall apart if they're kind of moved around or thrown into a corner for a night and, and all that fun stuff. But again, I really do appreciate our guests, Chris, uh, Brett, and Matt. Uh, we're going to, I'm thinking about doing some more things like this in the future for sideline to sideline, maybe a little sideline to sideline specials, uh, where we interview people and maybe not wrap it up in a show, just throw the interview up online. Uh, but we've got some things, you know, again, move to the new network. We're finally getting to stretch our legs. We're finally getting to kind of play around with stuff. And that's one of the reasons why even on this bye week, I, I kind of really wanted to, uh, you know, to, to, to be able to talk, uh, football and, and to do something different. I don't know why coach X is playing. There we go, man. It's just, <laughs> just one of those days. Anyway, thank you for joining us each and every week here. We are having a blast doing this. And again, thanks to our guest again, find us online, the audio only S 2 S grant Find us on almost every podcast platform. You can also find the video version at L four media company. Uh, so you can see the video version of Sideline to Sideline or the audio only. Either way, we appreciate you listening or watching us. And until next time, I'm Terry Bennett, and this has been a very special Sidelines to Sideline brought to you by SI Design and Printing on L4.